This is episode 103 for Tuesday, August 1st, 2017, brought to you from Arlington, Texas. This week, we will begin part two of our Basics of Beer series, Hops. Welcome to Brew Styles. My name is Chris, and together with Travis, Sawyer, and Eddie, we take on the world of beer one style at a time. Every week, we discuss a different style of beer and taste some of our favorites. We hope you leave with a thirst for more. Our podcast can be found on iTunes, Google Play, and Stitcher. Look us up and subscribe to make sure you are kept up to date on our latest episodes. Like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter at Brew underscore Styles. Drop by our website, BrewStyles.com, where you can stream every episode, check out our photo gallery, and use the contact tab to send us comments and feedback. You can also find more information about the BJCP and how to become a certified beer judge. Settle in and raise a pint with us as we launch into another episode of Brew Styles. Well, welcome back, everybody. How's it going? Joined today by Sawyer. What up? How are you, Sawyer? I am swell. You look like Christmas today. Yeah, you know what? I was thinking that when I put this on today, <laughs> I, I I do look like Christmas. Green tank top and red shorts. Yeah, I like Very Christmas. Festive. So, yes, <laughs> I am festive today. Did you do How anything? How festive uh, are these beers? Oh, there you go. <laughs> Did you do anything uh, beer related this week? No. All right, then. I'm also joined by <laughs> Travis. Hello. Travis is also wearing a green shirt today, but... I'm wearing my shirt. Are you wearing pants, too? I wore this shirt for a specific reason. Yes. Yeah, last week you wore the uh, Mr. Multi or whatever shirt. Multi-man shirt. Multi-man. That's right. And uh, today we're talking about hops, so you're wearing a Hop Fusion shirt. Yeah, repping the local brewery. Hop Fusion. <laughs> So I'm two for two. I don't know what we do for next week. Like a yeast Mr. shirt. Mr. Yeast shirt. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> you could have a shirt with like you spilled some yeast on while you were brewing by accident or something. Yeah. I wish I had a, uh, what was the uh, old bread company? It was like red and yellow and blue. I think it had a circle. Beambo? Yeah, something like that. What? They're still around. They're not As a matter of fact, still they, around. they bought Miss Baird. Yeah, they own Mrs. Yeah. Baird's Yeah, because I thought you were talking about Miss Baird's because they got like the about. red and the blue and the yellow dots on their logo yeah too. i had an old an old shirt like that it was like a throwback yeah. new retro one a bimbo shirt when i was in high school i should have kept that because that would have worked for yeast from like fast forward or gadzooks or something you get yeah your, your mr bubble shirt and <laughs> i had an alka seltzer shirt yeah exactly <laughs> yeah that just screams old man or his reese's shirt yeah i had a reese's shirt too <laughs> they're like a school picture yeah that you're wearing it's the in the shack shirt. band hall and you found it <laughs> That's right. And that's Voice Fratto, also Joe My Fratto this week. Hello. Did you do anything uh, beer-related this week? I, I made a cider. That's cool. <laughs> to, uh, tell us more. Was That that I, was for something specific, right? Yeah. I tell poured us. apple juice in a bucket and put yeast in. It's exciting. <laughs> Actually, I've done one cider before, and it literally was the easiest thing I've ever made. Yeah, it was good. I, mean, I liked it. Of course, it was one of those cider kits, so it had like that really thick cider syrupy stuff, and you just put that in there, add your water, pitch your yeast, and you're good. 
And you can drink it a week later. Like, it's real quick. We've made probably half a dozen now. Uh, Ashley will make them, and, well, I guess half the time I make it, and then she goes and efforts ferment. She throws other fruit in there other than apples and gets it where she wants it, and then I forget what else she's putting in this one. But, I mean, it's extra. The last, what? The last time was, like, pomegranate and... Kiwi? Kiwi? No, that's not right. No, tangerine. Tangerine. And pomegranate, tangerine. Citrus, floral, pine, resinous, spicy, tropical fruit, stone fruit, berry, melon, etc. <laughs> yeah, it's <laughs> it's really easy. And I, I stopped even paying attention to what kind of apple juice I buy. Mm. Oh, yeah. Uh, making, making a cider can be as easy or as difficult as you want to make it. You can, if you want to, you can buy some commercial-made apple juice, just toss in yeast, ferment right in the bottle, and boom, you're done. You know, that's Isn't obviously not going to make the best one. But if it's pasteurized... It won't work as well. You're supposed to avoid um, like preservatives because that'll mm-hmm. inhibit the the yeast. Right. It'll still work, but just doesn't work as well. Because mm. I've done that. I've bought fifty cent Albertsons yeah. apple juice and just pitched the yeast straight in there. Kind of put a little tin foil over the top and let it go. Um, we've got this bad habit of shopping on like Sunday afternoons, and the grocery store is just packed. Well, not only is the grocery store packed, but the shelves are not, like, they're Stocked. just totally bare. So it's like, yeah. okay, I need five gallons of apple juice. Um, well, I'm going to get some of the ones that I know are halfway not preservatives and then just whatever, screw it, and just start throwing stuff in Have the you ever been to Kroger Marketplace? No. <laughs> well, that one time, yes. There was, like, an armchair and a thing of button-up flannel shirts, and I, I was uncomfortable. <laughs> I love the Kroger Marketplace. I haven't been there in a while. It's kind of like when you go to Bucky's. You know, (laughs) I don't think I'll ever go to Bucky's again after the last time. It was so crowded. Oh, yeah. So crowded. No. It took me like 20 minutes to get out of the parking lot. (laughs) Never order food from the counter because you'll be waiting for like 30 minutes just to get your food. Oh, I believe that. I usually just get chips. (laughs) Anyway, (laughs) what are we drinking right now? I well, am. Fredo's glass is empty. It was your English one. Yeah, yeah what he said. We're actually going to revisit that one later. So okay. Um, I, I'm drinking the saison. Then I'm glad I made that choice. You drank that one last time. Yes. <laughs> I'm drinking it again. I'm not the only one. Yeah, I'm drinking the saison too. So it's pretty good. You the one. Uh, well, just want to take a second and thank our listeners for being here with us. I hope you get. Some some good information out of this series. We've been real excited about doing it. Um, so just make sure you go ahead and hit that subscribe button. And um, there you go. Yeah, you're going to learn today. You are going to learn today. If you didn't have a chance to check out part one of this series, go back and listen to that one. Very informative. Um, quite entertaining. Yeah, I definitely learned a lot about malt. And I, I, <clears throat> I really like tasting them because, you know, you can, you can really taste the specific malt in the beer and not the black malt. I did not yeah. enjoy tasting yeah, except, that one. Yeah. Except for that you one. totally just whistled through your teeth when you said taste. I did? Yes. I didn't hear it. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Dial. Yeah, just like that. <laughs> but it was on the tail end of the word. Taste. I can't even do Interesting. that. Okay. Sorry. You have to listen to them in order. There's a lot of things you won't understand about hops if you don't know everything about grain first. Uh. Actually, you're not far off. And we'll talk about that in a second. Oh, I was being sarcastic. Uh, you're actually, you're actually right on. I hate that. Oh! 
Anyway, uh, well, let's just get right into it. Um, let's start with a little bit of history about hops. Uh, but first, what I want to do is that, you know, Travis bought a, a bunch of these books for this series. And uh, this one is For the Love of Hops, Practical Guide to Aroma, Bitterness, and the Culture of Hops by Stan Hier- Hieronymus. I don't know how to say that name. Hieronymus, whatever. It sure anyway. looks like Hieronymus. Yeah. Stand like it's a melee. He's a big name in, in home brewing. Okay. Uh, anyway, I don't know how to say it. Looks like a Greek guy. That God. works in multiple ways. I do want to read a little bit of the introduction because I, f- I find it interesting. Hops are a lot more than just, you know, what, what we use in our beer for bitterness and, and preservative. There's a whole culture built around, um, you know, the, the cultivation and the farming of, of these hop plants. So I thought this was really interesting. Um, in the introduction, it says, Every August, farmers from across Bavaria's Hallertau hop-growing region take an evening off from preparing for the upcoming harvest to join about 3,000 others in a large tent in the center of Volsnach, where they order plates overflowing with Volkfest food, listen to a traditional brass band, clink one-liter mugs of beer together, and ultimately vote for the new Hallertau Hopfenkernigen. Sounds a lot like Oktoberfest, but... Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> It says, it is a dream for each hop grower's daughter, said Christina Thalmeyer, <laughs> who won the honor in 2010, 60 years after the first queen was crowned. And for the father of every daughter, it is also a dream. Each queen candidate must come from a hop farming family and answer a variety of questions, sometimes technical, about hops. Thalmeyer said she was still a baby when her mother took her along to work in the family hop gardens. She began trimming and training hops, guiding them clockwise around a string when she was six years old. It is work you had to do when you were young, she said. You don't understand why. When I was young, I hated this work so much. So they actually crown a hop queen in different regions. And they all kind of bring them together and they have this big party. Party! That sounds like the Midwest and corn. There's, she's probably got nice cones. <laughs> yeah. <clears throat> anyway, so let's talk a little about hops. That's a new one. The genus Humulus likely originated in Mongolia at least six million years ago. Oh, I could totally make a South Park reference here. So I guess if you're a if you're a creationist, you don't believe in hops. Uh, uh, <laughs> a European ah. type. A European type diverged from that Asian group more than a million years ago. Historians believe that hops found in the Caucasus region traveled from China to Europe, but are a little different. Hops from this region were genetically isolated from other European populations by barriers to migration or gene flow caused by climate or geographic changes. So I guess, you know, just the way that plants, you know, procreate over time, they traveled across different regions and you get different... Uh, you know, combinations of the hop types. <laughs> there you go. Uh, it is believed that the native Caucasian tribes between the Black and Caspian Seas were the first to use hops in beer. Huh. In Caucasia, beer played an important role in sacrificial ceremonies and worship. Tribal members considered drinking vessels as valuable as any of their possessions. Would have thought uh, those would have come from the White Sea. <laughs> thank you, thank you. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> you too, guy. He's going to be here all night. And by all night, five o'clock. Yeah, probably. <laughs> I will keep you here all night. <laughs> I will keep you here until five o'clock. <laughs> mean Girls reference. Nice. Yeah. 
Anyway, so they uh, they thought very highly of their mugs. Mwop, 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 Were they meat yeah. mugs? Mm, no. Oh. Uh, <clears throat> the first discoveries large enough to suggest cultivation of hops or their use in brewing was observed in western Switzerland and France, a date between the 6th and 9th centuries, although pre-Iron Age Roman writers made many references to Germanic and Celtic beer. Hops were well known in the 8th century and were raised in monastery gardens. That's not surprising. Yeah, I believe that. Um, by the 11th and 12th centuries, sites range north and west of Central Europe and are plentiful in the Netherlands, northern Germany, and the Czech Republic, or what is now the Czech Republic. Originally, wild hops were added to fermentation after boiling. They didn't actually boil them with the wort like we do now. Interesting. So they wouldn't be extracting into the bitterness. They'd just be using it for their preservative quality. Right. And aroma. And that, and that comes into play a little bit later, like I was talking with Fratos when he was talking about uh, the malts and everything. Uh, around the year 1150, Abbess Hildegard of St. Rupertsburg wrote that they boiled hops along with the wort and appreciated their preservative value. She wrote, If thou desirest to make a beer from oats and hops, boil it also with the addition of grues and several ash leaves, as such a beer purges the stomach of the drinker and eases his chest. Its bitterness, though, when added to beverages, prevents in the latter putrefaction and gives them a longer durability. Gosh. So a beer was made of oats and ash leaves. Pretty much. That's the best thing I've ever heard. <laughs> <laughs> You're going to try that now, aren't you? Yes. Uh, Hildegard did not hint at how brewers discovered the importance of boiling hops, and that seems likely forever to remain a mystery. However, I did read something um, kind of anecdotal in that book that was talking about they used to use the hops as a dyeing agent to color their clothing. So they would put the, the hops in water and then put their clothes in there to dye them you know, green, and at some point, maybe somebody accidentally drank the water and liked the bitterness of it. Of course, there's no like proof to that. It was just kind of an anecdotal story that they think might have happened. Mm-hmm. But they do know that the, that plant was used for dyeing clothes and, and other things. So anyway, <clears throat> so let's jump ahead to about 1400 A.D. Okay. Hopped beers instead of all malt ales started gaining popularity among drinkers and brewers. So before, your ales were made with just malt. There was no hops. When you added the hops, then it became beer. So there's the difference between an ale and a beer. Because hopped beers did not use as much malt, brewers could make beer less expensively. Hop farmer Reginald Scott wrote, Whereas you cannot make above 8 or 9 gallons of indifferent ale out of one bushel of malt, you can draw 18 or 20 gallons of very good beer. Simply put, beer brewers needed about half of the malt as brewers of ale because with the addition of hops, higher levels of alcohol were not necessary to improve the beer's longevity. So we all know that alcohol, you know, fends off microbes. So what they would do to make it last longer is just rank up the alcohol level. And maybe that's where you get the distilling thing at some point. I'm sure the two things are related because I don't think you have hops and liquor. I don't believe so. So then you would have the ale that you would distill to get the liquor. And then when you added the hops in, then you got beer. Yeah, no hops and liquor. So that's how that's how closely related the two things are. Okay. 
But once they decided <clears throat> or discovered that the hops are a natural preservative, they're like, okay, we don't have to use as much malt to make this high alcohol beer. We can bring the, the malt bill down, put the hops in there, and make twice as much beer as we could ale with the same amount of malt. Yeah. So I thought that was really interesting. I guess that's how the two things kind of diverged. Um, then if it's triple hops brewed, it's even better. <laughs> in the 1500s in England, so not much later than that, 1500s in England, more people acquired the taste for hopped beer, but ale remained hop-free. 1574, London had 58 ale breweries and 32 beer breweries, but Londoners drank four times as much beer. Hmm. So there were more ale breweries, but people were drinking beer. And then from then on, you know, you get your different hop strains and and different things, and it's you know, that's kind of the history of, of how the whole thing got started. That's so. cool. That's English right there on the wall. It says restrooms. And if they drink four times as much beer, then they've got to use the English restroom. Yeah, more often. English. So anyway, there's Gets your hop blurry. history. That's cool. pretty interesting. Yeah. Uh, I also read apparently the. The difference between ale and beer is still something that is is discussed or used in England. They don't they don't call these ales. It's a it's a beer, and then they have their lagers. So it's yeah. I had one recently that was called a pub ale. Wasn't a beer. It was a pub ale. Hmm. It, it was pretty good. It's pretty good. It was episode fifteen. <laughs> Actually, it was last week. <laughs> yeah, it was last week, which was episode what one o two. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah, there's always been some strange labeling with the Texas uh, descriptions of beers and ales and malt yeah. liquor also. So I wonder if that carries over from that. Because a lot of times you'd have uh, a beer that's labeled something that doesn't necessarily describe it as well as you know what, what it scientifically would be. Yeah, because like high alcohol lagers had to be called ales in Texas. Yeah, like uh, an Imperial Pilsner yeah. would be labeled... An ale, but it's maybe that's not. why, because yeah. it did have that higher alcohol content. Now it still had hops in it, mm-hmm. but they just—I guess—they just decided to separate it by alcohol, not whether or not it had hops in it. I like alcohol, so the two things are probably related. Yeah. It's just interesting. That I didn't know that there wasn't a bittering agent before, unless it was the ash leaves. Well, there was. I can't remember what it was now, but there until they used hops as a bittering agent, they were using. Uh, oh, some herb. we did I can't that. Uh, remember. that it was, uh, the sage? iron mash thing because we had it was the old style elderflowers. Elderflower, yeah, I think that was one of them. I think it sage was, is one of them. No, we use sage and heather tips. Heather tips. Sage, well, just the tip. But I just mean like like before we did that, we, dingleberries. We, yeah, that <laughs> that stuff's for one. How'd you know? Uh, I don't know. <laughs> um, I feel really bad that I talked to the drop. Um, <laughs> Yeah, even before we did the brew-off, we had had conversations about that, and then the brew-off confirmed everything we thought we knew, and then added even more garbage to the pile, like rose hips and heather tips. Sounds painful. (laughs) (laughs) Let me give you my hip. But anyway. um, (laughs) I like that they use the word putrefication to describe their beer, or at a certain point it become that. We might change poundability rating to putrefication rating. Yeah, she said, it's bitterness, though, when added to beverages, prevents in the latter putrefication. 
gives them a longer durability. <sighs> anyway, I mean, we all know the story. We've talked about it several times about, you know, the India trade routes and the beer going bad. And so they put more hops in it. And that's where we get the India Pale Ale. Allegedly. Yeah. Allegedly. Yeah. There's some historians <laughs> so, that are saying that might not be true. Well, but, either way, that's that's the story we were we were raised on, so we're just going to stick to it until they prove otherwise. It's got to be correct for our tens of listeners. Yes. Um, so here's just some, some terminology. Uh, alpha acids are what hops are rated by for bitterness, and it's uh, usually written in a percentage. However, alpha acids themselves are not bitter. When you boil the hops, the alpha acids are... Uh, isomerized and you get iso alpha acids is that our ten dollar word for the day there you go that's what's actually bitter so you have to boil the hops with the alpha acids to get your bitterness that's why any dry hops or late additions you don't get as much bitterness from you just get flavor aroma uh lupulin is the active ingredient in the hops that gets you your bitterness um and then something i've i've always kind of wondered this so i included this in the terminology sazer type because we have saz hops oh no Okay. But whenever yeah. you see Sazer type, I'm like, what all does that include? So Cesar type hops. <laughs> <laughs> that includes Saz, obviously. Check Saz. Spalt. Can you get a check one? Tetanang and Lublin. Lublin? I don't know that one. And apparently, uh, they're so genetically similar that it makes sense to refer to them in a single group. Okay. So they're, they're I, you know, I don't know how similar, but obviously close enough to all consider them the same thing. So they're probably interchangeable. But anyway, so that I included that there. Hmm. So hop usage, obviously we talked about this before. Uh, beginning of the boil is where you get your bitterness. The longer you boil those alpha acids, the more bitterness you'll get out of them. Uh, later additions for flavor and aroma, including the dry hopping. Uh, you can use hop cones, which are the whole dried cone flower, the female hop plant. The mm. female hop plant. Uh, and then the you cones. You know what I'm talking about, baby. <laughs> Those cones are dried and pressed using a big machine into the small pellets. So it's the entire hop cone that's compressed into the pellet. I thought for a while they, you know, had made some kind of tea or something, I don't know, and then dried it and shrunk it. But no, it's the entire hop cone that's like really, really pressed into those pellets. So when we get a, a, an, a, an ounce of hops from Stubby in that little package, is that one cone? Is that equal one cone, or is it more? Oh than no, one I'm cone? sure it's more, many, okay. many, many more. Because if you get one ounce of cone hops, it's like a, this big bag. Because I've never seen how big an actual cone. Smaller than is. your thumb. Yeah, it's about that big. Oh, okay. You know, yeah, about your thumb size. Okay. Um, yeah, but as home brewers, we're going to deal mainly with pellets. So you at home, if you are a home brewer and you want to start, pellets are an easy way to deal with hops. Yeah, um, they last a little bit longer. Actually. <clears throat> Uh oh! They don't swell up and get stuck in the top of your carboy. My, I'm glad. I'm glad that you said that, Travis. Because my actual next point, uh, they're easier to store. The the sorry, not the cones. The uh, the pellets are easier to store, but just as fragile as the hop cone, uh, because the pellet machine crushes all the lupulin glands. Both bitter and aroma compounds in pellets oxidize three to five times faster than while in cone form, which is why mm. processors package them in oxygen barrier bags, usually foil. So it's not necessarily anything else other than just the oxidation of the lupulin glands. So the pellets 
don't last as long because of the process of the pelletizing. I don't know how else to say that. <laughs> that big machine, because they, they're put through so much stress, the lupulin glands kind of break down a little bit faster when they're in pellet form. Hmm. Uh, they, the book used Cascade as an example, uh, but it says unopened, unopened pellet bags retain most alpha acids for five years when frozen. Okay. Uh, open foils must be used quickly. Cascade, like I said, they use as an example, is good for two weeks at 50 degrees and up to five weeks at 26 degrees. Warm conditions above 60 to 70 degrees should be avoided. So if you do open your, your pellet bag, keep it frozen, and it'll last five weeks or so. Hmm. See, I've got a bag in my freezer of half-used ounce bags of different hops. Um, and they've probably, some of the older bags have been there for years, probably. Yeah. And I'll, I'll still use them with the beer. Yeah. It's probably I, not any good anymore. I don't, but. I don't know if it's the bitterness level that drops, but it, it did say if you reseal it, like I've got, you know, freezer double zip Ziploc bags that I put all of mine in and I try to get all the air out of them when I seal them up. Uh, it's, it did say that resealing a bag will help maintain the, uh, the aroma and the flavor of the hop. But it didn't say anything specifically about the bitterness. So, I mean, you can't keep them for a while or you can just, because I've got probably half a dozen opened Ziploc bagged uh, hop bags also, because I'll, I'll brew a recipe that uses like half or oh, three sure, quarters yeah. of an ounce of something and then I'll put it in the fridge. And then I, I usually don't check the fridge whenever I am going to brew another beer <laughs> to see what I already have. And I'll just buy more hops and then. You know, at some point I'm probably going to do a trash can beer, where just all of my leftover malts and and hops, are, and I'll just make something yeah. up. And those are the greatest. Well, <laughs> very hard to uh, that duplicate. one time. That one time. <laughs> yeah, I had a big problem with that. Just collecting hops in my freezer because I'd forget, I wouldn't check, and then the bag would keep getting bigger and bigger. So recently, I've been pretty cognizant about anytime I do a new beer. On the recipe, if there's something that calls for just like less than an ounce of something, I'll try to find a replacement that right. I already have. So it might not even be the same, uh, same nationality or same strain, yeah. but but if you're throwing it in an hour into the boil, then yeah, I mean, and boiling for an hour, yeah, definitely. If it's then, if it's like a bittering addition, and also something to take note of, um, especially like I've been using Beersmith for the last couple of years, um, the the default alpha acid percentages in there are nine times out of 10 way different than what's written on the package. I've noticed that. Um, so I can actually go in and change the number. If I'm looking for a specific IBU, I can go in and change the alpha acid to what the package says and then adjust my amounts to maintain that, mm -hmm. that IBU. So that's also something to take a look at. Um, depending on the crop and, you know, drought, heat, how much rain they get, obviously you're going to get different lupulin levels and different alpha acid levels for your hops. So it's really important to keep looking at that percentage and don't just assume that what the computer told you was right is going to be right. You just toss it in there because you can get a vastly different, especially making something like an IPA or, you know, something super, super hoppy, pale ale IPA, any of those things. You want to make sure that those, those alpha acid percentages are, are correct. Or you could just relax, not worry and toss it in your homebrew. Yep. That too. But, you know, I, I do a lot of rebrews, and I, I like repeatability, True. and I've been trying to nail down that process because I'd like to say, 
you know, okay, I want this beer and I want this exact flavor profile. So I'm going to do this recipe and I know it's going to be exactly the same. So those are the things you have to watch for. You know, those alpha acid percentages are super important. Mm -hmm. Uh, Making sure you're buying the right lava bond grain. (laughs) Because if you buy a different, even though you could buy, you know, a 40 lava bond crystal from this company and a 40 lava bond crystal from this company, it might be different. So I always try to make sure that I buy the same thing. Even the same strain of hop from different companies will be different. Mm -hmm. So it's all about just paying attention. Yeah. So anyway. Listeners at home, if that's what, if you're a home brewer and you have a specific desire to either, like Chris said, repeatability, then you definitely want to be um, very strict about writing things down, about making measurements and making sure that everything's the same each time. Or, you know, someone like myself, I just like to have a five gallon keg of beer that I can drink. So I'm not necessarily as worried about repeatability. Um, so if that's you, then you wouldn't really be as concerned about numbers or whatever. But um, it could go any way of the spectrum as yeah. far as homebrewing is concerned. Yeah. I mean, unless it's something's just way off, it's hard to make a bad beer. True. It's going to be malty. It's going to have some hops. It's going to be alcoholic. You yeah. can drink it. Unless you have a red ale that you have sitting in your kitchen. Uh, <laughs> Next like- to a leaky back door that's <laughs> fermenting somewhere between 85 and 90. Yeah, then you make a bad beer. Like it's I said, bad. Unless something's way off. <laughs> like your temperature is 20 degrees yeah. above the suggested high end. Yeah. That would do it. Well, uh, let's get into some more specific things and we can get into our <laughs> tasting. Uh, so the since people started documenting hop strains, the original hop strains were Fuggles, Yay. Goldings. It didn't specify. There are several different types of Goldings. It just said Goldings. Uh, and and those are from England, presumably named after the farmer that cultivated or discovered them. The rest of them are all based on location. Poor Mister Fuggle, <laughs> <laughs> growing up with that name. <laughs> so you've got Tettnanger, Spalter, and Hallertauer Mittelfruh from Germany, and Saas from what is now the Czech Republic. Okay, those were the original hop strains. Everything is either a combination or a cousin to one of those. Yeah, I've heard the term noble hops used before. Yes, and that's about where we're, we're going to get into. <laughs> the The first uh, things we're going to taste today, our first beers, are all going to be noble hop beers. And this kind of transitions into the English hop beers, because like I said, all those things are kind of related. The term noble hop uh, is a classic are classic European varieties responsible for signature flavors of pilsners and other continental lagers. So the term noble hop actually came into use around 1980, uh, but there's actually no set definition or agreement about which varieties should be included. There are some kind of general guidelines to that, uh, which include Hallertau, Saz, Spalt, and Tetnang. So those are the four noble hops that we'll be talking about today. Uh, they're Hallertau. It's grown in Bavaria, and you'll get a floral undertone with a strong, spicy flavor. Uh, brewers usually use Herzbrucker now because Hallertau is very susceptible to like disease and, and things like that, the actual plants are. So uh, Herzbrucker is a lot more common in commercial beers than the Hallertau will be. Uh, but you'll get lagers and German-style pilsners usually with that one. Uh, the Saz is grown in Bohemia, today the Czech Republic. And it has a spicy, earthy flavor without being too strong. Used in pale lagers like Pilsner Urkel and Budvar. 
mm. pale ales, wheat beers, etc. Then you've got Spalt, grown in southeast Germany. It's actually the least widely used of the noble hops. Uh, talking about, you know, the big commercial breweries. Uh, slightly spicy and mild, used in traditional German beers such as Bach, Alt, Pilsner, and Helles. And then the fourth one is Tetnang, also southern Germany, most widely used noble. So the two the two in Germany, you've got one that's the least used and the one that's the most used. So Tetnang's the most used. Floral, but slightly spicy, used in Belgian and French ales, Bach, Lagers, Pilsners, and wheat beers. I've heard of Spalt before, but I haven't... I don't recall many recipes that I've used them in. Yeah. Like I said, it's it's not used. And, you know, as homebrewers, we're either trying to clone our favorite beer or uh-huh. follow the guidelines. And the guidelines are based on commercial examples. So if you have a hop that's not used commercially, you're probably not going to find it in the guidelines. Sure. Um, so that's probably why most in- recipes that we've seen either use the, the Tetnang or the Hallertau, because those are the two most common ones. Makes sense. Uh, in addition to that, you have your substitutes for the Noble Hops, which include a lot of the English varieties, Fuggles, Liberty, Mount Hood, Vanguard, and Willamette. So those are substitutes for the Noble Hops, because they're related. Uh, there's also a category called Nearly Noble. Oh. <laughs> this is what I was talking about. Like The noble hop thing is not really defined. Nobody knows exactly what it means, but there's just the general guidelines of those four hops. But you they, also have the ones that are nearly noble. They try. They really do. They really do, uh, which is the Fuggles, the East Kent Golding, Hersbrucker, which is the replacement for the Hallertau, and Styrian Goldings. Those are all big names, too. Yeah. They're all characteristics that are similar to the true noble hops, but they're not technically considered the nobles bless their little hearts <laughs> so uh the first couple of beers that we're going to taste today uh use those noble hops so i think we'll kind of break it down we'll talk about the hop i've got a couple examples here we can smell hot pellets and then we'll we'll taste the beers so Ooh. Ooh, can we taste the pellets uh we did that once already you're more than welcome to if you'd like go for it uh you can even take a little hot pellet and drop it in your beer like we did with the malt last week oh uh, yeah <laughs> See if it changes it for you. Oh, so, my butthole's not hogging <laughs> very much. Live dry hopping. <laughs> we did that. We've done that. I'm yeah, sorry. Play that again. It might not. My butthole's but not hogging <laughs> very much. Was that the pepper beer episode? It, it might have been. No, it was recent. Uh, mm-hmm. I said that. I can't remember what it was. All right. Well, anyway, so the first beers we're going to take are all uh, taste, are all noble hop varieties. So let's take a break and get those pulled out. Cool. So speaking of Saz type hops, the first beer we're going to taste today is Bud Light. Cesar type hops. Yes. Uh, it is rumored right. It is rumored that Bud Light uses Saz. Uh, they have not technically released their uh, their recipe, but apparently if you go on the tour, they say they use Saz. So that's just what I read on, on the interwebs. So it must be true. I guess yeah, so. it's got to be. Um, because, you know, if you think about it, Saz was grown in Bohemia and used in pale lagers like Pilsner, Urkel, and Budvar, like I said before. So you've got Budvar and Budweiser and then Bud Light. So according to uh, flavor profile, we should get a spicy, earthy flavor without being too strong. Okay. Well, it's cold and it's clear, sweet, and it's... 
maybe spicy but not earthy. Yeah, so the the light beer styles like Pilsners and and uh, Hellas, obviously you're not going to be overly hoppy. Uh, it just counteracts the sweetness in the malt, so you get a, a beer instead of an ale, I guess. Well, this is beer in Texas. Yeah. So uh, the this one, um, like I says, is a a saws. I didn't have any saws, but for the next beer that we taste, I do have a couple of different hops we can smell to see if we can get that out of it. But it's a very nice saws aroma. What what hop profile do you get out of this Bud Light? It's a saws profile. Light beer. God, I laughed so hard at that the first time. See, in one of the hallmarks of the American light lager is very low elements everything. of everything. Yeah. yeah. So if there is any hops, it's going to be low. It's like water in a way. I think for these beers, especially the adjunct character comes through stronger than anything else. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, I think for Bud Light, they use rice. Fried rice Budweiser, or rye? Budweiser's rice, and I think... Miller and or Coors use corn. I think that's the difference between them, but I'm not. Don't quote me on that. This kind of tastes like water with electrolytes for taste. <laughs> so Gatorade? No water. It's got what plants crave. Oh, let's go water my peppers with this. There you go. <laughs> so anyway, that, I just thought this would be a good introduction to our light. <laughs> now it's not technically a pilsner, I guess, even though they call it America's pilsner. All these light. All these light beers. Yeah, if there's any hop aroma or flavor, it's more on the like earthy side. Yeah. Just very 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 light. Well that's you know, that's what Saws says in the in the profile is mm-hmm. spicy, earthy, without being too strong. So if you don't want it to showcase, sounds like the perfect hop. Oh yeah. And there's tons of styles that you want to have hops in it, but you don't want that flavor to come through. Right. Like Imperial Blonde. <laughs> when are you well, gonna make that again? That will, it's either going to be for my engagement party or um, the uh, um, the wedding. <laughs> you couldn't think of that word, wedding? Go ahead and get <laughs> on the internet the and buy yourself some Cesar type hops then. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> you know, even the can on Bud Light says, always brewed using the choicest oh. hops, <laughs> best <laughs> barley, malt, and rice. So that's, there you go. That's my absolute favorite, like... Bottom shelf beer term is choicest. choicest. <laughs> it's so choice. I think uh, Hams has choicest on it too. I remember uh, having a conversation with you at your house late one night about that. Yeah, it's my favorite choice. When is the last time you heard anybody say choicest other than talking about the quality ingredients in your bottom shelf beer? I'm gonna start using that from now on. When was the last time you went to a car lot and somebody's like, "Man, the tires on this. These are the choicest tires." That we have picked to put yeah. on this car. I can't say that about Nissan. Call her wife that. You get home. You know, babe, you are looking the choicest today. It's a very light, hot presence. Yes. Uh, the next beer that we're going to talk about is uh, hopefully a new beer. I know I haven't had it before. Uh, nobody has checked into it on tap before, so five pound Deville. Come oh, on, I forgot about that. Ten. 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 Yeah. Okay. This beer goes to eleven. This next beer scares me though, just because none of us have had it. 
I think it'll be good. Okay. Um, but anyway, it uses, and I had to look these up. The next beer uses pearl, perlay. Pearly? I, saw it. I call it pearl. I always say pearly, but it's just because I don't know how to say it, so I get stupid with it. Is this like <laughs> pearl from SpongeBob? No. Oh. It's the R-L-E. P-E-R-L-E. Daughter of Mr. Crab. So I just call it Pearl, no. but uh, the next one uses Pearl and Tetanang. Um, so I have some Pearl here, so I thought we'd take a sniff and, and pass it around. Um, it's Pearl says... <laughs> Bless you. <laughs> yeah, so for Pearl and Tetanang, we should get floral, slightly spicy. And Tetanang is one of the noble hops, and I... Th- thought i remember reading that pearl is kind of an offshoot of tetanang it's not one of the the nobles but it's you know it's it is a german hop i get some of the spicy like herbalness out of the uh, aroma on that one yeah i i shouldn't have chug ability that uh bud light we could have thrown a couple hop pellets in the bud light the sad thing is is that to me like anytime i smell a hop packet like that it all kind of smells the same to me at first. Uh, there's a very, like, dusty, like, sugary candy quality to all of them, yeah, yeah. that I find, and it's almost sweet. And dusty, yeah, to, for yeah, sure. I could see that. It's Yeah, I, I, I understand. I'm like, because but, even, like, a pack of Fuggles or something, it's, like, no, sweet right. smelling for some reason. Yeah, yeah. this, this tastes like a, a sweet, spicy... You ate it? Floral... Did I say taste? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, it smells. <laughs> this smells like a, a sweet, spicy, floral thing. So I, I, for me, it makes sense. Just overdub that later. Yeah. Anyway, so. You're welcome. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Did you say you could walk them? You you welcome. You you're, can you're walk welcome. them? Yes. The, the uh, so what? we are going to have the Dinkle Acker CD pills. I've heard the, of that. What? Yeah, I don't think any of us have ever had that dingleberries does it come with a cd mostly because i don't think i've ever heard of it and if it does what cd does it come with okay i've never heard of this yeah um this is imported straight from germany um which it says on the can several times it does (laughs) and it says get through dem deutschen reinheitsgebot so, uh, does that mean it's brewed with the Reinheitsgebot, or yes. does that mean that they said middle finger to brewed the with Reinheitsgebot? The Reinheitsgebot. Yeah, so um, get through them. Get through them, Reinheitsgebot. Get through them. Uh, and I'm translating here, but it says quality of a private brewery, uh, brewing tradition since 1888, 4.9% alcohol. That's real confident German speaking there. Well, I took German. I did too. Mein Geburtstag ist in Juni. Qualität aus der private brewery. Reinheitsgebot. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, so uh, Dinkel Acker CD pills. This Frühling one is here. Um, <laughs> Who was that? Like I said before, that's Chris. That's me. Like I said before, this one is Pearl and Tetanang are the two things that they're uh, when when Frado pours it, it straight up looks like water. No. Like, I mean, coming out of the can. <laughs> oh. Not, not in the glass. Yeah, that happened. My, uh, my light lager 
I had a very hard time knowing when I was siphoning it into the keg or not because it, when it gets that thin into the siphon, it's yeah. it's absolutely colorless. By the way, I like your shirt. Thanks, I like it too. The elephant playing the tuba. This is the shirt that tells me that no one knows what an instrument is because more often than not, somebody will be like, oh, your shirt is so great. I love the saxophone. And I'm like, I would try to correct them at first, and now I just like, thank you. I like the saxophone, too. <laughs> That's a great piccolo. <laughs> Which, by the way, I'm selling my JP for sure now. For Okay. I don't want it. Anyway, That's so fine. the... <laughs> I'm going to buy a piggy, I think. Really? Uh-huh. I'm sure the Bruce Styles listeners are well, I'm going to cut out that, but I'm going to keep that drop. <laughs> I'm buying a piggy for sure. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so the Dinkel Acker is our first official German Pilsner. This, oh my gosh. Um, it pours brilliantly clear, a nice dark yellow, Brilliant. the white head. Dinker Acker. Dinkle, I, oh, Dinkle okay. Acker. <laughs> like that made a difference. <laughs> like I said, I tried to get a, at least a couple of beers that we hadn't had before, just oh, to kind of make uh, things interesting. Yeah, it's all one um, word on Untap. It's not Dinkle Acker. It's Dinkle Acker. Oh, is it? Yeah, that's I even funnier. And it's made by Dinkle Acker Schwabenbrau. <laughs> Yes. I dated a girl about that name. <laughs> yes, you did. Yeah. <laughs> Wait, with what name? Dinkel uh, like a Schwabenbrau? Yeah, it's, uh, that's only a couple syllables off. Schwabenbergen, Bachem, Jingleheimer, Schmidt, or something. I don't remember. <laughs> oh, my Her God. Her name is my name, too. <laughs> Whenever we go out, the people always shout, Dinkel like a Sheedy Pills, Schwabenbrau. Careful. C.D. <laughs> <laughs> We did not check the explicit box. <laughs> anyway, so 4.9%, 30 IBUs, not over the top. Um, from what I can smell and the taste that I had, this is a a pretty good example of a German Pils. Get some floral in the, in the aroma for sure. A little bit of sweetness. Yeah, seeing as it came in a can, it's been protected from the light, so we got a pretty pure example of this one. Were them pearlies. Oh my gosh! You know what this smells like? Don't say Hackershore. Hackershore. Oh, it totally smells like Hackershore. No, it doesn't. Yes, it does. Hackershore is the bomb. dot com. Well, yes, it Dinkle is. Dinkelacker Schwaberbrow makes an Oktoberfest. You should find that. And then <coughs> they do make it an Oktoberfest. Probably smells like Hackershore. Well, by the time we have the next episode, we should have some Oktoberfest beer around. If you go to Oak Highlands, Dinkelackershore. He <laughs> <laughs> could tell that the wheels were just kind of turning a little bit. That one had to marinate for like a yeah. split second. How do, I, how do I say this right? <laughs> anyway, um, I think the hops come through in the aroma. Oh yeah, on this I, get, one. I get floral way for more sure. than the Bud Light. A little spicy, yeah. I think the like the rice adjunct, like I said before, <clears> kind of takes over that one. But this one's clean and um, the spicy is always the thing I get from it. That's See, for I, me the hallmark of the noble hop. Is I the pick up spice. floral usually a little bit sooner than I do spicy. Flavor, you get some of the spiciness right up front. Yeah. Now smell the smell the pearl hops, and then smell and take a drink of the beer, and tell me if you get any similarities there. 
Now, I'm not going to make a fool of myself this time. I'm going to throw some pearlies in my uh, in my beer. <laughs> but then I'm going to have to finish it out before the before the chuggability cuz you want to chug that that pearly hop. Maybe if I just <laughs> chug the hop then I won't chew it and it won't be so bad. Probably not. See what I smell um in the package is what I taste in the beer. But just not what subdued. you smell, right? But yeah, but I don't smell what I smell in what I smell. <laughs> I taste what I smell, but I don't yeah. Right. Despite yeah. what you just said, having absolutely no sense made, I 100% agree with you. Exactly, yeah. <laughs> this sounds like the drunk chick trying to recite the Pledge of Allegiance. <laughs> How, what, what? Yes. Uh, anyway. <laughs> I'll play for you Dolly. <laughs> it's funny. Yeah, it has almost a savory character to it. It's weird. I really like this beer. Um, I do too. I'm pleasantly it, surprised. Where did you get this? Total, Total wine. Okay. Yeah, I'm gonna go get some more. This is really freaking good. And this came in a, a tall can. It's uh, silver with a white label and red lettering. Yeah, half and liter, half liter can. Crisp finish. Yeah, this is a good example it's of German clean. pills. Right. Straight from Germany. Yeah. I like this Stimmt. one a lot, actually. Um, you know, if you think about other classic German pills, how would you compare it? So like Pilsner or Kell. That's not German. Yeah. Oh, well, it's a Trumer Pils, Pils. Trumer, yeah. Our, our Flensburger. Maybe that's a little... Hmm. I might like this better than Flensburger, but I don't think I've had that in long enough to really give a fair assessment. Every time I have a German Pils, I always notice the water quality because you get a mineraly-ness yeah. from, you know, from the water, and that's how it's supposed to be. This one's a little softer uh, in that department, I would think. Hops come through a little bit more than what I remember in the other ones. And if you remember, uh, Pilsner versus a Hellas, the Hellas is going to have less hop character. Yes. So I didn't. Forward. Yeah, I didn't want to. I thought about picking up a Hellas, but I was like, eh, it's not really going to showcase the hops. Kind of like if you pick up an IPA to try and showcase some malt, but <laughs> that'd be ridiculous, man. A fool's errand. <laughs> but anyway, so I thought I was like, okay, I'll, I'll forego the the Hellas and I'll pick up a couple of different pills. So I do have another pills that uh, also I don't think we've had before. Oh. <laughs> oh no. So uh, this is good. Anyway, I, I, yeah, I like throw this one a couple of them pearlies in there. Five palatability rating. Ten. <laughs> oh no, that was. Uh, I just threw the pellets in the glass. I don't. <laughs> I'm just gonna say ten without actually knowing for sure, since that seems to be what y'all do. I'm gonna say ten on it. Same. It's good. I yeah. like yeah. this beer a lot. Yeah. Um, the smell of my beer has not changed at all. Did you swirl around your pearlies? I did. I give this one a ten. Smell that easy, easy to pound. Yeah, I don't. I haven't noticed a change. Granted, they've had all of thirty seconds to impart their aroma. Yeah, usually dry hopping takes days. <laughs> <laughs> usually, but I was using a special method. Drop it in and uh, swirl. They've already swollen up quite a bit. Talk about see. talk about floaties. <laughs> Sawyer, you want to smell this? I'm good. I, I trust you guys. Okay. He's got some floaties. Like it smells just like that. chunks. All right. I'm gonna try and taste it now. Oh, he's, oh, he's chugging. Oh, 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 oh no, he got the hops oh. too. I successfully did not chew any hop. Um, did you taste more hop? 
No, it tasted the exact same. <laughs> so Probably one minute hop is in not sooner. Long than, yeah, yeah. Not. His butthole won't like him very much later. I have floaties, <laughs> but mine were green and swollen. <laughs> Oh, God. Thank you for that. <laughs> <laughs> Lovely description. <laughs> All right, so our next pills we're going to drink is the Bavic Super Pills. Um, this one also, from my research, has tetanang. So uh, the Dinkle Acre was Pearl and tetanang. This one is just tetanang. Oh. Did I get tetanang it? And on the... <laughs> On the can, it says uh, only aroma hops, 100% noble bitterness. Sounds so body. it's all late edition, I guess, for aroma, but they only used noble hops, which, you know, one of them, like I said before, is tetanang. So that's this one. Uh, it is a Belgian pills. It's even lighter than the Dinkle Acker light yellow. I'd say almost the same color as the Bud Light. It's not as clear... Oh, mine's brilliantly clear. Did you wipe off, wipe, wipe off, wipe off the condensation? No, he didn't. Because no, now as I, I look over, still it, think it's, it's still not clear. as clear. Oh, okay, well, that's just me. Mine's stupid clear, and that's even with the condensation. That's a scientific term. Stupid clear, yeah. This is one of those I, I don't have a better word for it, so I just call it cigarettes. What? Huh? <laughs> Cigarettes. The aroma. I see. I, I get a lot more sweetness in the aroma in this one than I did in the Dinkelacker. What? <laughs> With a light scomy aroma. <laughs> yeah. There's Cigarettes. more sweetness here. I, I would agree. It is. It is more sweet. But this is one of those. I smell it, and it's cigarettes. cigarettes. Tastes like cigarettes. It should taste like cigarettes. <laughs> Thank you, Forrest. Aroma <laughs> is. <laughs> I mean, I. I'm still stuck in your cigarettes comment. So <laughs> is it like you would typically drink a beer like this in a smoky bar, and so? You associate those two oh. things together. That that's, may be. That's kind of what I was thinking. That after may be. So many like, years. Because I'm picturing like. You go to Sunshine and you get a, a PBR. Oh, or and speaking of, And that's why I was, I was going to say Sunshine, but it was uh, not, Caves. I guess, necessarily the bar <laughs> itself, but it's you go and then you're trying to do laundry like two days later and you're like, oh my God, what is that? And you find the shirt you were wearing at Sunshine. <laughs> that would be Tonstoffel. Tonstoffel's a different kind of. Smoke. Yeah. Back when, yeah. back when we were going to Ginger Man Weekly, I remember many of my ratings would be would have cigarette smoke in the rating. Yeah. Unless I took the beer outside to try to smell it, just because it would always be a smoky place. I don't get the smoke. It's not. It's not even. <laughs> no, it's no not smoke. smoke like a. Well, smoke I know, but the, beer, the but cigarette. I don't. I don't get it. I don't understand. And I like I said, which is why I'm saying it for saying I don't have a better word right. for it because I know it's not. I think Travis is right. It has to do with. The location that you normally drink this style of beer. Perhaps. Because I get a lot more sweetness in the aroma, for sure. Oh, it's definitely way sweeter than the last one, but sweet and tobacco-y. Very uh, sweet. Where are them tetanangers at? Because I don't... I don't have any tetanang. Tetanang, oh. that's good. But 
Like I said, the technique and the pearl, I think, were kind of similar. Were the ones that they were saying were pretty much the same? Well, when you find those charts online for substitute hops, pearl and tetaning are kind of... Okay. I think one has higher bitterness than the other one. I think pearl might have more bitterness than the tetaning. I think tetaning is a little smoother. Yeah, because the the pearl aroma was pretty intense whenever we smelled it. Yeah. Comparatively, I mean, not intense like in American terms, but in the noble hop varieties, it's very present. I'm not getting as much of that in this. Maybe just the sweetness covers that up. Well, the the description for tetaning that I read earlier, um, southern German hop, most widely used noble, floral but slightly spicy, used in Belgian, French ales, box lagers, pilsers, wheat. And this is a Belgian pils, so... That follows that. Is it very nice? <laughs> yeah, uh, more floral than than like the spiciness of the German pills. Mm-hmm. I always say that this beer is uh, is more sweet as well. Yeah, I actually think I like the the last one better. The Dinkle. This is closer to the Bud mm-hmm. Light than it is to the to the Dinkle Dinker yeah. Schwarm. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> Which would you say a Bud Light is closer to a Czech Pills or a German Pills? I'd say Czech. I think it would too, because that's oftentimes a softer variety. Or even a Hellas. If you had to pick those two, though. Yeah. German Pills versus Czech Pills. I'd definitely say Czech. I think it would too. This one too. Now, do you still get the minerally part of the water? Only in the back. Not as much. Not really. Yeah. The floral spicy is kind of prevalent. Yeah, because if it is closer to a Czech pills, then that would be a softer water. Because Czech pills versus German pills, there's a huge separation with the water content. Mm -hmm. That's a big difference. I don't really have a lot of experience with Belgian pills, except for Lorraine Grand 95, which was Belgian Imperial pills. (laughs) (laughs) Is that like Imperial Blonde? Uh I don't know. We threw it up. Yeah. Speaking oh, of that. <laughs> Both of us. When I do the next Imperial Blonde, it's going to be extract. Yeah, because when you tried to rebrew it, it uh, all grain didn't work. No, not even close. But uh, right, Yeah, so, so what's going to be our... I mean, do we know anything about a Belgian pills? Not, not anything more than what we've said. Like, I, like Travis and I were talking about earlier, I, I would classify this more as a check. Than a German, hands right, down. But, that's but other why, than that, I that's don't know. why I asked is because yeah. y'all are asking, hey, this thing that's not a Czech or German pills, is it a Czech or a German pills? I don't know anything about Belgian pills, so I can't. Okay. Is that not a BJCP <laughs> no. qualified thing? It is not. It is well, not. okay, I know what's going into the 2018 re- rewrite. <laughs> as many times as they split IPA, now they're going to have to start splitting pills. Yeah, but why did they take Northern and that Southern sound- English Brown away? I don't know. If they're splitting pills, that sounds dangerous. <laughs> Is that, that a pharmacy Sawyer. joke? <laughs> yes. <laughs> All right, pound a, pound a little bit rating on the super pills. I'm sorry, what? <laughs> I thought it was a super joke. If the others were tens, <laughs> this has got to be a lower ten because it's the sweetness I, really yeah, is. I was Even as say, it warmed up, it's sweeter. I was going to say Light nine. Was. Yeah, yeah. I was going to say eight. I'm sorry, acht. <laughs> it's Belgian, not German. Oh, I'd go nine. Eight. Yeah, it's, say nine. and that's it's, the number nine, not no. Nine, 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 nine it's sweeter than the Bud Light was, I think. Oh no! So we're gonna we're gonna transition from 
our noble hops <laughs> into our bottle into our English hops. But this is actually an English Buddha beer. No, I'm kidding. This is an English ale. <laughs> no. Buddha beer is not even remotely English. But Travis, didn't you buy a whole bunch of that? English. Yeah. And you drank all of it, right? I did. Weren't you struggling at the end? Uh, you save it towards the end of the night. We used to drink this at uh, Angry Dog. Buddha beer. <laughs> is it? I haven't seen the front anyway, side. So Buddha, 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 rocking everywhere. Oh, okay. So this, um, this is an English pale ale, but it uses... Buddha, Buddha, Buddha. <laughs> it uses what? It uses a noble hop. Okay. It's not it's not English hop, but we're using this to transition into our English hops because you know English you get things more that are like you know earthy and dirty, grassy. However, like I mentioned before, the English uh, and the the noble hops are very closely related. Uh, can obviously be used as substitutes. So this is a, an English beer that uses a German noble hop, which is. Uh, Hallertau. This is the St. Peter's Organic English Ale. Yeah, I was right. We used to drink that at Angry Dog. Nobody shapes bottles like that. <laughs> Do we also get wind and fire? Uh, there anyway. was a, there's a, St. Peter, Peter's has a, like a more psychedelic looking label as well. It might be a porter or something. I forget. I didn't have Hallertauer hops, but like I talked about before, uh, people use Hersbrucker in place of the Hallertau, and they're I, pretty much identical. So I do have some Hersbrucker, so we can we can smell that and get a comparison. So we're at the smelling part. Yes. Well, for the hops, yes, because that should be the Unless only part. to taste it. No, I'm good. Were you there when we ate the hops? Oh, yeah. Okay, so why do you question... <laughs> uh, so for for <laughs> or this smells totally different. Sorry, keep going. So for Hersbrucker Hallertau, uh, floral undertone with a strong spicy flavor. That's all I got written down for that. So, like I said, very <laughs> very similar to the German hops, uh, but used in an English beer. It's like an oversized so, cologne bottle. Yeah, well, it's no, so I wasn't going to Hersbrucker. So I wasn't going to say cologne bottle. I was going to say more like a medicine bottle. Yeah, it looks like old medicine. Yeah, like old Tussin. <laughs> yes. <laughs> well, that's what I was thought about the red stripe bottle. Yeah, that was a uh, old medicine. I still have not if had the red cap stripe. Was just white. <laughs> so this the organic, uh, the organic English ale comes in at four and a half percent ABV. Sounds good. You know what I like about the uh, about the untapped chicken on it? What? Organic slash organic English ale. <laughs> yes. I must take pictures. Thank you for that. You're welcome. <laughs> it does have a, a very different aroma and flavor than what you'd expect. Uh, obviously, it's oh. it's more English. It's going to be dirty, earthy. Smells like butter. But throwing in, <laughs> eh, maybe a little. Uh, throwing in the, the German hop, I think the, the earthiness of what you normally get out of an English and the floral part of the hops kind of work together and actually do a pretty good beer. So was it a purely um, Hatler Tower Matusha beer, or was it a mix? I'm not 100% on that. When I looked it up online, all, I, all it said for hops was Hallertau. 
Okay. Okay, so no offense to Legal Draft, but this reminds me of their blonde. Like just the aroma. Oh, because it's buttery. Okay, I see you. I see you. The Hirschbrucker package smells a little bit like eucalyptus. Oh, I can see that. Like the Hobby Lobby floral eucalyptus. I can see what he's talking about with the butter, though. I would have never got there myself. I wouldn't have called that butter, but I could see it. Yeah, I just get the earthiness, like dirt. Well, there's like a thick sweetness to it. Yeah. We need to make this into a car air freshener. Hops? I yeah. Agree. That's real easy. I think you just take that bag and get some scotch tape. and. <laughs> we need to do one of hops, and we need to do one of mash. Well, I don't think you want to do that because... It's gonna. I have some rot. aged hops over here. You can smell in a minute, and it's not what you would want. This tastes like Hobby Lobby. If you if you want to know what if you <laughs> want to know what that's gonna smell like in your car, wait till about two days after I brewed the next time, and then drive by my house and smell the compost from the next house yeah, over. You don't want that, God. You should smell the chicken that's in my trash right now. <laughs> no. <laughs> okay, so I do. Let me use that to ferment. I do get a lot more of an earthy note from this Hersbrucker packet. Did you see that whole chicken and beer recipe online? No. There's a whole chicken beer recipe. Disgusting. <laughs> Sorry. I'm sure it has Haller Tower in it. <laughs> <laughs> the flavor on this is is different. I haven't drank it yet, but the <sighs> smell is totally, totally different. Yeah, I agree. Earthy that comes through mm-hmm. for me. Dirty. It's very English. Yeah, I you know I I don't really know another word to describe that. I mean, yeah, it's it's got a little bit of butter to it. It's more. I know we just said minerally, and that's not really, but it's more well, minerally. I mean, if you're talking about um, Burton on Trent, Burton on Trent water, or I mean, it's gonna be it's gonna have a higher Mineral content and more salt, maybe. I don't know. I've never looked at those water profile things. Salt, like salt in the in the front. <laughs> I mean, I do get some sodium, but yeah, I mean, not nearly as much as like a goza at all. But I mean, it's it's definitely there. I think there's like a difference the between salt content in the water and I threw salt in my beer. Well, that's how gozas are brewed: is salt content in the water. Where do they live? Salt Lake. No. Germany, with coast Salt Lake City, Salt Lake Germany. <laughs> anyway, it's the uh, Black Sea. We already covered this yep. in the history portion. No, we didn't. You said White Sea. Duh. All right, I'm going to pull a Fratto and I'm going to put some uh, Hersbrucker hop in my. Uh, but if you do that, <laughs> hang on. If you do that, you got to swallow the hop whole. Okay, it's easy. Don't worry. Like I said, that's what she said. Like I said I'm going to pull a Fratto. <clears throat> that's a decent sized hop pellet. Yeah. Let me see that. I'll you do it too. too. Yeah, why not? I'm sure yeah, I'll have no. even less so, teeth than before because the heartburn is going to come back even better. The butteriness is coming out as it warms up, though. It um, really is. All right, I'm seeing. Yeah. I but do, how much of the hop character? How much of the tetanine do you get? Not a lot. Uh, it's a lot like the last one. More taste than smell, which is yeah. crazy because that's not what I expected out of any of these beers. Yeah, I, I'm actually going to agree with Fred on that. It's it's way more taste than it is smell. Oh, did you drop a pellet in there? Yeah. Okay. Are you going to do it too, Travis? Yeah. Peer pressure. Uh, all right, you're up. <laughs> Sawyer. Peer pressure. Oh, dang it. Because we were 
when we were pushing you so hard. <laughs> Actually, having it stirred around, the aroma has changed slightly. This one has. I'm but maybe that's less because butter. it's... Pu- oh, that's what I was going to say. It's pushing out the butter. The last one was really dry and had nothing else competing. Ooh, it actually is starting to smell really good. I don't know. Does butter dissipate like skunk does? Because if you open up a skunky beer and kind of let it sit for a second, the, the skunkiness dissipates. I don't think so. Me, Travis, and a local brewery can all attest that no, that butter sits there for the whole keg. Because as this... <laughs> But as this hot pellet sits there, I get a lot less butter. Well, yeah, but I can't think of any time that I was like, man, my lager has too much butter flavor. I'll throw hot pellets in the glass. I never tried that. Well, now you know. Now I do. <laughs> Although I don't think that this one's going to taste like butter. I think I finally got it. Yeah, because the finally actually, got it. I skunk just, character would come from a light source. Yeah, cause, so it comes from the sun and then oh. a, a chemical reaction occurring within the right. compounds in the beer. And so if you swirl that around, then that dissipates off. Butter, diacetyl, would come from a yeast byproduct. So that's not necessarily the same thing. Right. Or it doesn't come about the same way, so. <laughs> I think Sora's about to, like, Fall. make the make the pellets into powder and do a line over there. So it looks like. <laughs> it's not a bad idea. <laughs> yes. Yes, it is. Some, something <laughs> that smells bad. However, okay, so I just took a taste, and it's definitely more bitter. I'm sorry, you took a what? A taste. A taste. Uh, a taste? No. I heard no, that. I, I took a taste. <laughs> I hope what you say it. And it's The taste is awesome. Uh, it's definitely more bitter with the hot pellet in there. Yes, I agree. So uh, that's strange that this one has changed so much, and the Dinkle Duffer Halfer Schmidt didn't change sure. really at all. Yeah. Ooh. I just killed it with that pellet, and it was definitely bitter on the back end. All right. You the whole hole like a pill? <laughs> yeah. As yeah. a whole, okay. it was it was a little buttery than I remember. Because I think we had one of these at uh homebrew club meeting this past month. The organic one? No, I don't think we've ever had that. Was it a different one? The only time I've ever had this Pale Ale. was at Angry Dog. Okay. Because I saw the bottle and I was like, "Oh, I remember that from Homebrew Club," and I remember really liking it. Oh, but Whole Foods maybe it was used a to sell one. a ton of this, but then it kind of pulled back. Okay, I haven't been to Homebrew Club in months. Organic English Ale? No, I don't think I've ever seen that or had it. But yeah, we had the uh, the St. Peter's Pale Ale. Is that the psychedelic looking one? No, it's like a a teal. Okay, maybe solid the color. Porter the stout might be the psychedelic one. Hmm. All right, so poundability on that one, I'm probably going to say that's seven, yeah. six, that's six a, and a that's half. Definitely lower. Six and a half or a seven, maybe four. <laughs> Sorry, did you pregame this? No, not at all. Because <laughs> we're sitting on like four percent loggers all day today. I'm fine. I just like to be goofy. You fell out of your chair. What? And it has arms on it. I haven't fallen out of my chair. Only because it has arms on it. <laughs> I'm fine. I was just comfortable because this chair gets a little uncomfortable after a while. I oh. think that this is a little too thick for me. So I. <laughs> oh my god. So I shift. Is that okay? <laughs> no, yeah, that's fine. Okay. Anyway, Travis, poundability. I'm not on the floor. It's going to be a seven. Okay. Yeah. Lower than the other ones, but st- still doable. Yeah. All right. Well, we got a couple more uh, English beers to taste. Oh boy. So we're going to keep going in our English. 
hop beers. <laughs> it's not just English. It's not just English. It's not just English. What do you mean? It's gloriously English. Oh, it is gloriously English. This is uh, <laughs> Wells Bombardier Glorious English. Is it Bombardier Bombardier? Bombardier. I'm gonna yeah. say since it's English, it's probably Bombardier. Probably. If this were That's a what I'm thinking. Beer de Garde. It would probably well, be but then it would be Bombardier, not Camaraderie. Not Bombardier. Com- Camaraderie. <laughs> Because it's spelled, it's spelled bomb, A-R-D-I-E-R. Yeah, we know. Bomb, it's bombardier. Anyway. Bombardier. Bombardier. Caramel, caramel. Anyway, so this uses Challenger and Goldings. Is it challenging? It's Challenger. I want to get Goldings. me some Climax. <laughs> what? <laughs> that escalated quickly. It <laughs> Okay. Did you bring Challenger or did you bring EKG? Um, it was challenging to bring Challenger. No. Uh, well, I have, <laughs> I have something else that's similar to this, but we'll get to that in a second. So we've got Challenger and Goldings for this one. Um, Challenger should be spicy, cedar, and green tea. Whoa. never heard it described like that. A different yeah. profile than what we've seen yeah. so far. So this one's definitely darker. Yeah. Um, you might have spoken into truth, but I can almost smell that like <laughs> that like weird like leafy sweetness of yeah. a green tea. Like <laughs> I do think this clear. one's probably going to have more of a malt character than the others because it is darker. Of course, we're getting into the darker beers now too. So yeah. amber orange, yeah, or a reddish orange. It's gloriously orange, <laughs> and the aroma is glorious as well. Actually, it is very much so. Very earthy, sweet, malty. I don't get a whole lot of hop character in the aroma. Yeah, it's more malt forward on the aroma. It's a picture that pops up from Bombardier. One of our favorite pastimes. Looking at the pictures (laughs) on Untapped. Once you check into a beer on Untapped, just scroll through the picture history. You're guaranteed to find something great on almost every beer. The bitterness on this one, though, definitely is present on the back end because you get that sweetness up front from all the malt, but on the back end, you definitely get some bitterness, and I do get that earthy character. I don't know about green tea. I'm going to interpret that green tea as more of a mint. Actually, mint is Fuggles. There we go. (laughs) When I think tea leaves, that's really earthy. And yeah, herbal, but green tea, especially when used as a flavor, like I had green tea ice cream, that wasn't a very fun experience. That's strange, but it is strange. I didn't, I wouldn't do it again. We well, said cedar also, which is a very spicy wood. Now, there's a difference between cedar and pine. Oh, yeah, yeah, big, big time. You know what? I get <laughs> tell us, I'll tell you. Uh, when I like right at the first taste, the first flavor that I get, it almost tastes like chocolate milk, like really cold chocolate milk. Which is like the the maltiness has a sweetness to it. Yeah, I, I'm just saying. I just I've never had that no. sensation before because I even had chocolate milk earlier today. This is like a burnt caramel beer. <laughs> burnt isn't okay. the right word. Burnt cracker. Well, now cracker caramel. Oh, slightly cranked up bush. Yes. <laughs> Now that we're full on into the English beers, let me talk a little bit about the English hops. Oh, Tay. Uh, the four predominantly uh, used 
hops and English beers are Target, East Kent Golding, or EKG, mm-hmm. Challenger, and Fuggles. Yeah, EKG and, and Fuggles. Those are the two yeah. big names that I've heard before. So those are the ones that you're going to get most often in English beers. Target is primarily a bittering hop. You're going to get sage, citrus, spicy, floral, and a little earthy out of that one. So that's kind of broad, but it's like I said, it's more used for bittering. EKG is more of an aroma hop. Uh-huh. It's going to be flowery, spicy, honey, and earthy. Honey. I the best description I ever heard for EKG was they called it uh Fuggles uh, Fuggles pretty sophisticated sister. <laughs> Interesting. <laughs> Yeah, EKG is a big player in my homebrew recipes. Yeah. It's it's a, it's a pretty broad yeah. hop. You can bitter with it and you can you don't do late additions with it. Uh, like we said, Challenger, spicy, cedar, green tea, and then Fuggles, minty, floral, and earthy. I like lots of giggles in my beer. Yeah. Me too. So the the predominant thing with the English hops is earthy. Every single one of them said earthy or some kind of like floral, flower, something. Mm-hmm. So yeah, there's the common thread between them. Yeah. So so far, noble hops can be characterized as as spicy. Mm-hmm. English hops can be characterized as earthy or floral. And then we'll get to American hops in a minute. We're gonna talk about beers that have lots of giggles. <laughs> 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 <Yeah>. <laughs> yes. Lol. So this one and the next one will uh, you know both English beers. And have lots of that floral, earthy stuff. There's a single hop in the Zig block. That's that one. The Hersbrucker. Oh, okay. Put it back in the bag. Back in the bag. So I'll pull out the uh, the English hops that I have here. We can hmm. kind of smell them, and it'll, it'll transition us between uh, the Bombardier and uh, the next one. This almost has like a sunflower seed husk flavor to Ooh, it. Ooh, I could see that, yeah. Like if you have unsalted sunflower seeds, or after you've you know been sucking on it for a while, yeah, and you get rid of all the salt content, but then you get just the husk shell flavor. Uh huh. That's kind of what I get in the you know near the finish. Yeah. The flavor on this one. So the first one, actually, I'm gonna do not do this one first. The first one we'll pass around is the uh, EKG. I have some East Kent Goldings. EKG. So in this one, like I said before, you should get uh, flower, flowery, spicy, honey, and earthy. I've never actually noticed honey in EKG, uh, but it was listed. Oh, honey. I can't say that I have either. It seems like a really strange thing to list as an aroma. I still get that dirtiness, like Fred was talking about earlier, that you get from all pellet hops. But I do get much of the floral... Still not picking up any honey, though. No. It's just very floral, like potpourri. See, I'm better at floral with the German, well, kind of, I guess, continental or whatever. Well, I mean, I guess, so the German floral is like a spicy floral. Right. And then English is an earthy floral, like dirt and flowers. So I, I do a better job of associating floral with those and not as good a job associating floral with the English ones for whatever reason you can't so you would say you can't tell me I'm wrong I can't tell you you're wrong but yeah that's a I I don't I don't 
smell the the earthy stuff as much and think oh good floral but a lot of times with the german and czech kind of stuff i do no you're right but with this beer the uh the bombardier bombardier i think the the earthy floral kind of work with the sweetness and the malt to balance it out and it works out really well this is a really good beer i like this one a lot it's got to be a caramel caramel kettle kettle caramelization situation going here you know i it's got like a like a like a could just be lots of crystal malt. Like a like a like a somebody. <laughs> I heard that too. <laughs> <laughs> like a like a like a. Uh, <laughs> I might be a little buzzed. Um, <laughs> you were buzzed thirty minutes ago. Okay, oh, see you later. <laughs> <laughs> Goodbye. Uh, oh God, Chris. Easily said. Oh. Oh God. I love the smell of hops. <laughs> <laughs> I think he's more than a little buzzed. Uh, like I said, Sawyer's about to do lines of hops over there. It's really, it smells fantastic. You pulled in so hard on that, I could, I could hear you sniffing through my headphones. <laughs> I was expecting to be like, <laughs> it just, it smells so good. Anyway, so do you get the English hop profile out of this? Absolutely. Yes. Cheers. Cheers. Poundability. On this one, I'd say probably eight or nine. So what's your? It's good. I like. I like What's the slot. I could easily pound it. Poundability rating on this one, huh? <laughs> Eight. A lot like some other English folks I know. I think I'm gonna say eleven. I go with an eight. You know, even even though it is, it's got more color and flavor than the other ones. It's still pretty smooth. Easy drinking. Ah, uh, good choice. So to continue our. Our English beer and hop profiles. We're going to go to Fuller's London Pride. Oh, I love Fuller's. <laughs> well, which one? Because they have a lot. The London Pride, because it's from London. Full-bodied and malty. So the, uh, the Fuller's ESB is another good one. Uh, Fuller's London Pride is probably one of my favorite uh, English beers. Uh, one that I recently tried to clone. So after we drink this one, we're going to try mine okay. and compare the two because that's going to be our homebrew recipe for this episode. Is that the last beer? No. Oh, I can't tell you the last time I had this beer though. Every time we go I to T and P, this is what I drink. I had this one is of my these, go-to. Let's see, four months ago, at least I had this one at T and P after a homebrew meeting. Homebrew. So, London Pride is a, uh, actually, is their extra special bitter. The ESB is a different, I'm going to have to reference our ESB episode here, because there's a difference between what is classified as an extra special bitter and what's an ESB. Like, Fuller's ESB is not a special bitter. It's their pale ale or something. There's some kind of crossover there. I'm kind well, of confused. Because that was the situation where they'd brew just one giant beer, right? And then they'd pull three runnings off of Party guile, three yeah. different beers. So it was all relative depending upon your starting. Right. Yeah. And I don't remember because I think... Bitter, best bitter, and ESB. Right. So three. So maybe... Okay. Sorry. sorry. I, I, I was wrong. I think this is the best bitter. Fuller's best bitter is the London Pride. And then the ESB... 
what it was was you couldn't call it an ESB because I guess Fuller's had that copyrighted, but you could call it an extra special bitter. So what makes it so special? The Fuggles. The Fuggles? <laughs> okay. So this is... Um, it's kind of a serious question, but that's okay. So this is special bitter from Fuller's London Pride. And... Uh, it was I, just a designation term. Right? Oh, okay. Yeah. Okay. So Fair the enough. London Pride uses Challenger, Target, and EKG. So we smelled the EKG already. Uh-huh. If you, uh, sorry if you want to put that back in there. I have some Target also. This is EKG that you just handed me? Yes. There's a package you can put back in there. That's why. You, oh, oh, that oh, was oh, the one oh, you were oh, smelling. Oh, yeah. oh, 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 So the Target. You're in love with the smell of hops. I have Target right here. Actually, if we want to. If we want to compare the two, because. This is award winning since 1845, and many of those are in the USA. That's a long time. <laughs> I just like how it points out that most of its British awards are in the USA. So here's the Target, and it smells very similar to the EKG. Target's down the road. Yeah, it does. So with with Target... I didn't know they made hops. You should get uh, sage, citrus, spicy, floral, and a little earthy. I, sage is a pretty potent aroma. Yeah, it is. Yeah, I don't think I'm... I, you could maybe trick me into citrus. This I don't... Sage not happening. I remember now, sniffing the sage. Difference sage. From, from what I read online, the difference between the Target and EKG is Target is a bittering hop. EKG is an aroma hop. Yeah, it's 10% AA. And what was EKG? Like four and a half or something, right? 6.1. 6.1. So e- this, at least this particular package, EKG was 6.1 alpha. What does the Target say? 10 even. Okay, so yeah, that's definitely a bittering hop. Yeah, this one's almost like a, a perfumed lotion aroma on the Target hops. So, um, not sage, though. No. When I did my London Pride clone, uh, Stubby did not have Challenger, so I bought more Target, nice. and I used the Target for my bittering and then EKG for aroma and flavor. This so is... we can, when we taste this one, then we're gonna, we'll take a quick break and go out and get some of my... Uh, homebrew, and we'll compare the two. Okay. This is 10% alpha acid. Thank you, Sawyer. Which also stands for Alcoholics Anonymous. 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 Remember when I accused you of falling out of your chair and you said... Thank you very much. I'll be here all night. Have I ended up on the floor yet? And by all night, I mean 10 p.m. No. I have not ended up on the floor yet. Okay, so this beer is really clear. (laughs) I think I'm pissing Chris off. This is going to be another one of those things where I'm going to say something that sounds bad, but I'm not unhappy. Okay. It smells like cardboard. <laughs> <laughs> not not the wet cardboard, like, oxidation kind of situation, yeah, but, but just... Like you just open okay. up a box. I can yeah. see that. It smells like when I used to work freight shifts at 5 a.m. Yeah, this smells like core design. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, so the Target and EKG, we're still talking oh. spicy, floral, earthy sage in the target versus the honey what about resonance in EKG but the, other than that the, the qualifiers are the same there's a finish on it that I can't that I can't put a word for this might be two beers ago but I'm getting a little bit of buttery slickness I was going to say honey on this one mm. but you know that was a while ago the honey beer was the last one right yeah 
I can I taste can, the cardboard. But there's something <laughs> sweet about this one. <laughs> yeah, but there's there's like a oh, something else at the end. It's, it's like dusty. He said that one hour to stay too. What's hmm. the difference between dusty and earthy? Uh, I guess the earth could have a higher moisture content. <laughs> I've used I've used attic dust in my ratings before. Yeah. Really? Yeah. Would you call this one dusty or earthy? I would say more earthy. See, yeah. the, for me, the malt profile on this one is so high, it's kind of hard to pull out the hops. But that's that's usually what I get with an earthy hop. It blends very well. It's very smooth. Mm-hmm. It's not like a punch in the face like we're going to have with our American hops in a minute. Yeah. America. Well, do you remember my, like, six ounces of Fuggles beer? No. Which one was that? Fuggles. Oh. <laughs> no, I don't. That was a long time ago. Well, I made it like three times. Maybe I just drank it all before. <laughs> yeah, you probably did because I don't remember. It's, I remember having it, but not for a long time. It's super floral, even to a point where I'm telling you that I have a hard time picking the earthy hops from the floral. And when you've got like two ounces of dry hop fuggles, it's extra floral. Yeah, so that goes back to what you were saying a minute ago about spicy floral versus earthy floral. Right. I think this is definitely more the earthy floral. This is, I've, of course, this is going to sound stupid because it's called London Pride. But when I think English beers, this is the one that comes to my mind. You know what's sad is that I I don't think of this one. I think of ten and six. There could be some good English history in Justin. <laughs> Maybe, unlike the rest of the state, where it's all Travis. German. You look like you're about to say Comrandere. Well, yeah, I, I, I totally agree. Um, that this is a very earthy English representation. That, that's that's what I think too. Anytime I I have an English beer or I think that style, it's very just earthy, dirty, but not in a in a disgusting way. But just that's that's the presentation compared to like what we had earlier, which was the very crisp floralness of a pilsner. Yeah. So yeah, I think of course that has a lot to do with malt profile too. Yeah. Yeah, this has probably got a ton of M.O. in it instead of 90-minute boil pills. Actually, <laughs> we're going to wait for the uh, the ingredients because we're going to, like I said, we're going to compare this to my homebrew, which I actually, I got this recipe for the, the clone of this from an English book. Like, not just like... It wasn't in <laughs> Spanish. <laughs> no, it was from England. It was a, a, a England-produced... Soy de Homebrew London book. Pride. So, <laughs> Prido de London. It was it was an England produced clone book that had this recipe in it. So I had to do all the conversions to like ounces and pounds versus you know grams and and whatever. But um, I was I was a little bit I was a little bit surprised at some of the things that were in there. But then I was like, okay, no, I'm I'm really not. The only thing about that book was that it didn't tell you exactly like which crystal to use. It just said X pounds of crystal malt. Okay. But there's such a So I know. So I had to do my own like interpretation of that cuz it would tell me what the final SRM, of course it didn't use SRM, it used something else. Um it told me what the final color was and so I had to extrapolate 
Did you middle of the road it at 40? I think I would have started no, at 40 I, and tried to work my way. No, I, I used the amount of malt they told me to use and the color. Right, but I'm and saying then, like when I when I went for that amount, I think I would have started around 40 and then tried. But I, yeah, so I, I just put um, um, a crystal malt in there. And if it was too light, then I went to a darker crystal. Same amount, because it already told me the amount of crystal I had to use. But I didn't say what lava bond. So I just kind of had to extrapolate. Here's my final color. Here's the amount of malt they're telling me to use. Here's the crystal that I'm going to use. And so that's that's how that happened. It was so, huge. Yeah. Anyway, uh, hmm. let's move on. Poundability on London Pride. 11 still. 10. Yeah, this is pretty good. Uh, yep. I'll go with an eight, a high eight, edging on nine. So take a take a mental note of the color. Obviously, mine's not going to be this clear, but I can't. Mine's empty. Here you go, Fredo. Oh, thank you. Okay. <laughs> take a mental note of the color, uh, and we'll compare the two. So we're going to take a quick break and get to my homebrew. Yay! Oh, really? Mm-hmm. Really. So for my homebrew, um, like I said, I got this out of a book that had a specific Fuller's London Pride recipe in it. Okay. I have a question. We'll see if you answer it when you read it. Okay. So I was talking about the, the different crystal malts or whatever. Hey, so I have I a had, question. So, I have a non-related <laughs> question. Can I ask the stupid question? So, Frater, to answer your original <laughs> question, yes, this has Maris Otter in it. That wasn't it. <laughs> okay. But before you ask the question. So, six and a half pounds of Maris Otter, uh, 0.75 pounds of Crystal 80 is what I 80? ended up using. Yeah. Okay. Because it was less than kind a pound. Odd. No, but that makes sense with the, when I was like talking like possible kettle caramelization, I mean, Crystal 80 would make sense with that. Yeah. Uh, and then 0.6 ounces of Challenger, and I had to combine that with the original, uh, I don't remember. Anyway, so 0.6 ounces of Challenger at 90 minutes, 0.4 ounces of Target at 90 minutes. You know, see, that was a 90-minute boil. Um, Why? That's what the book said. Okay. So that's what I did. When was this book published? Uh, I don't 1845. Know. I'm a little curious about that, too. I don't remember. When was the Ryan Hanska boat? <laughs> normally, you only do 90 minutes for Pilsner malt. Or old school recipes. Or the something old you wanted a caramelization book. for. Because mm-hmm. the longer you boil, the more caramelization you might get. Yeah. Your boil so off. That might be part of it, too. pretty significant. Uh, anyway, so, and then I had, uh, at 10 minutes, a uh, quarter ounce of EKG. Then I used the Lalamond Windsor yeast, which is the first beer I've ever done something other than Y yeast or uh, Fermentus. Okay. So I used the Lalamond Windsor yeast. And let's see, I can tell you my numbers. <clears throat> it actually turned out pretty low alcohol. Five. My, <laughs> six. My OG was 1032, Seven. which actually wasn't very high. And uh, final gravity was 1011, which puts it at 3.5%. So this will be along the lines of just an English bitter. Yeah. (laughs) Even though London Pride is classified as a special bitter, um, it's a little bit lower. I think London Pride's in the 4% range. Yeah. 
And so that that was my question is why were you, was it intentional that you were like a percent lower? No. Okay. So when I'm, and and as I was looking at the I think my mash temperature might've been slightly high. Okay. I'm not, I don't, I'm not positive. I don't remember. I think that's what might contribute to the London Pride being a lot slicker than yours. All right, category 11A, ordinary bitter, is 3.2 to 3.8%. Category 11B, best bitter, is 3.8 to 4.6. Yeah, so this is supposed to be a best bitter. And then strong bitter, which ESB, in quotation marks, is 4.6 to 6.2. So when you look up London Pride, it's supposed to be a best bitter. And then this one, my homebrew missed that on the ABV. So yeah. anyway, so it falls to ordinary category. I think the color is similar. Mine's cloudy and hazy just because it's a homebrew and it's sitting in a keg. I did not cold crash this one very long because I was. I, I kegged it. Drink it. Well, I kegged it for an event, and it did not crash as long as I wanted it to. Okay. Um, it was only like two days. I usually cold crash for a week if I want it to be like really clear. I mean, I'm kind of partial. To this area anyway, I guess. I mean, this is my, when I want a, a good English thing, it's it's usually high three, low four. Right. So this is kind of my. Something really sessionable. Yeah. I really like this beer. Me too. <laughs> I, you, you notice how full I poured for these? Yeah. I mean, I. The like fl- I need it. The flavor's a little, well, it's like <laughs> 3%. I think it'll be okay. I don't know. It's point two percent higher than Coors Light. <laughs> Non-alcoholic. Yeah. Um, I do think it's well. I'm I'm not going to say anything. I y'all to talk I consider first. your homebrew to be more bitter than the London Pride. That one had a fair bit of sweetness uh, in comparison to this, because on the finish, there's definitely a lasting bitterness that I didn't get from the London Pride example. Which strangely gives it the appearance of being, yeah, appearance, taste appearance of being more minerally, which is weird because I don't think Arlington's water is anywhere near Burton on Trent min- no. minerally. I don't treat water either. I just pull it straight out of the tap. Right. Me, and that's what I'm saying is, but I, I think a percent, 1.3, I think maybe is the, might have that effect. Hmm. I uh, I have to agree uh, with Travis on this one. Um, it is a little bit more bitter, um, but you know, I, 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 there's been times where I've talked about this this matte finish, this matte taste. You know, it's very flat. Yeah, not necessarily in carbonation, but just in flavor. That's kind of what I'm getting in comparison on on yours. Now, it's not it's not that I don't like it. I actually do really like this beer, um, as I like many beers, but. <laughs> Um, but yeah, there's, there's a lot more sweetness happening in the actual London pride itself versus this one. And so I think if you came up a little bit more on the malt, um, yeah, that, that would help. However, all of that being said, I think I like mine better. Yes. I set out to, to clone London pride. However, I feel like, of course, I'm not saying the style is wrong and, and they're doing it wrong. It's great. They're doing exactly what they're supposed to. My personal tastes 
it's a little too sweet. I didn't change anything for the recipe out of that book. I did exactly what they, you know, and I, I made sure the IBUs were the same like I was talking about before. I didn't just put in the amount of hops that it said to put in. Yeah. I checked the alpha acids and, you know, made, did all the calculations for that and make sure it was right. And this is what I got. And I actually, I prefer the slight bitterness side versus the sweeter side for this. I, I would agree. But, I mean, when I brewed my low alcohol brown, it was, I mean, when I tweaked it in, that's where I liked it too. So, but also at the same time, I got to wonder when that book, not when, like where did that book get their information and was right. it was it ever going to make the London Pride that you have in front of you now? See, and for me, I like the sweeter side. Given that I love, let me let me emphasize it a little bit more. Hackershore, love Hackershore. Yeah. Like, so, what if that was a? Eight I mean, I like home- a good nut. <laughs> <laughs> nice. What if that was an '80s homebrew book and they've changed the recipe slightly since then, or something? You know? Yeah. I, I don't yeah, know. Yeah, it could be. I don't think it's that old. I think it's like a early 2000s, mid-2000s book. Oh, they should be more accurate in their information. Actually, the, Nigel is the one that suggested that book to me because, you know, he would he would bring his brews to club meeting all the time, and he's always talking about English beers versus American beers and English beers in England versus English beers in America. And I told him, you know, London Pride is one of my go-tos. And actually, he brought a homebrew of one of his English bitters to the club meeting. And I tasted it, and I was like, that's fantastic. And so he gave me his recipe. I haven't brewed it yet. But he's the one that pointed me to this book. It w- It's not Brew Your Own like the magazine, but the the name of the book is Brew Your Own English Ales or something like that. And that's where I got it from. And, you know, it's, there's a lot of really good information in that book. So I, I'm, I'm kind of... Moving towards liking the English sessionable kind of beers lately, and so I'm probably going to do a lot more out of that book. Okay, but um, I think this one turned out really well. I like it a lot. I'm definitely going to rebrew this one. Yeah, you yeah. should. And the important thing is you like it since you have five gallons of it at your house. Right? No, you and don't. That's the whole point of home no. brewing is well, <laughs> to make something you Cause like. Because I kegged this one for my birthday party, and between this one and the Saison, this was the one that got drank. I've been here twice in the last <laughs> week, of course. <laughs> like I said, you so, don't have five gallons anymore. I, I have to drink like four Saisons to one of this one to kind of start evening it out a little bit. Because I, I, after the party, I kind of tipped the kegs, and mm-hmm. the Saison is like full, and yeah. this one is was half empty at that point so i do the same thing <laughs> pick up the kegs every now and then it's like all right i gotta even out yeah because the one i have fermenting right now is a uh oktoberfest martson oh. so it's gonna lager for a while so it's not gonna be ready to keg for so you need another make, two or three months so you need to make the like a half full english the mostly full saison and the quad that's supposedly been two taps from blowing for like the last year (laughs) last for an entire lager fermentation. Well, no, because as soon as I put that secondary and put it in the lagering fridge, then I'll have the fermenter open. So I might do this one again, or I might try my, my Sierra Nevada clone again, or, you know, who knows what something, something can ferment fast. I can't wait to pick up a case of Hacker Shore. (laughs) I'm brewing Oak wine. 
Oak wine, that's interesting. That's as best as I could get off ash leaves and oat. That was the best <laughs> I could do with a Google search. Are they ashy? No, it's oaky because it's oak wine. Hmm. All right, so we're about to move into our American hops. Marca. But before we do that, Panabelli on this beer. 11 solidly again. 10. A high 11, like an 11 plus. I'm going to go with a 7. That's what I was going to say. Whoa. You are both idiots. I can pound the London Pride commercial better than I can your homebrew. Yeah, because the homebrew is a little more bitter. Huh. For me. I think the London Pride commercial is easier to pound because it's not as bitter. Including the the commercial examples. I'd probably say for like (laughs) an 8 or 9 for the London Pride and then a 7 for my homebrew. I'm not saying it's not good. I prefer mine versus... But well, poundability ratings, not so, that. So, I mean, the strange thing for me is that I'm going to agree with what you're saying by way of flavor, but ability to pound, I would have said it was opposite. That's fair. Because it's more bitter and less sweet, I pound it more easily. All right. We'll reach in the cooler and pick out the next one. Clank, clank, clank. Oh, no. Crashing stuff. Wait, that's, is that a different one? But before we do that, I did set out some Challenger hops that I used to brew this with because, you know, there's fresh hops and then there's aged hops. Now, normally the aged hops you use to brew something like a Lambic there's or... There's also roasted hop. Yeah. Um, obviously, if you're brewing a sour beer, which we haven't talked a whole lot actually at all about today, no. uh, sour beers, you don't want the bitterness and you don't want the preservative part of hops because you want you, the, you want the uh the sourness and the and the microbes to kind of do their thing or whatever anyway so normally when you're doing something like that you use an aged hop so i took some of the hops that i had you want the skittles challenger hop and <laughs> i uh last week i opened them up i put them in a, a clear plastic cup and i set them in my garage and it's texas during the summer so my garage was you know over 100 degrees for most of the day, probably. And uh, yesterday, our high was 103. Yeah. Uh, so anyway, I, ha- I have some aged tops here that we're going to smell. And uh, they are burnt. vastly different than what <laughs> than what we've been smelling. I'm scared. <laughs> so this is Challenger. And Challenger was a hop I used in this beer, in, in the, uh, the homebrew. I feel like the aged hops, of course, it's only been a week. They're still relatively green. Oh, God. Uh, Since everyone else is shaking them up, I'll shake them up, too. Oh, God, Chris. Oh, my God. Oh, God. What in the... They're still relatively green, even though Travis has brewed with brown hops before that were several years old, probably. Um, But thank you, Sawyer. (laughs) Um, I, think I, I, I get a, a, a definite sourness in the aroma even just with the hops like a funk See, I, it's I, definitely I, funky to me I don't but the reason I shook it was out of habit from trying to get carbonation up in a beer I, I wanted to smell or something and the aromatic saw <laughs> <laughs> here the aromatics have dropped off so much that I was trying to. I was just trying to pull something out of the cup, you know. But there's something like oddly dirt 
and sour about them. Did you just take an English hop and say it was oddly dirt? No, but I mean it's like more so dirt. Like if 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 you if you say floral and and dirty for English hops, that's not floral at all, just dirt. I, I like dirt. I, I might be talked into an almost like milky sourness, like maybe a lacto kind of. So well, yeah, lac- lacto. There's there's a, a a strange tartness to that, but. Like Sawyer says, there's a matte yes. aroma or flavor to things. Matte. The the brightness of the floral and the matteness of the dirt, that is all dirt to me. I get no bright floral aroma like you would expect out of a Challenger. Hmm. I think the, the brightness has gone away, and you get the dirt with the slight lacto-tartness. So let's say that we're actually using this in a realistic application and we're somewhere European where it's not 103 degrees outside what I mean we're, I don't know what well, Europe tops just, out at like low 90s for a normal summer or something and then that but that sits for I don't know years three yeah you still years. leave it out I, know, I was thinking Let a few months turn but, brown lose its AA and then yeah. toss yeah, it into if your if you're uh, brewing a Lambic you right. don't want any of the the preservative parts of it, but you're going to have a little bit of bitterness there to counteract your sweetness or you know whatever. But What's any that? that's why like people joke about if you're brewing a sour, you know your your brew process is the same. People joke about waving the hops over the top of the kettle, yeah, but not actually putting any in. That's how you make a martini too. But I mean, you don't want the the preservative aspect of the hops in your your lambic. Or I'm sorry, an old fashioned, not a martini. I'm yeah. an idiot. Old fashioned, but, but I, I guess the the preservative part would be gone with the aged. So my question is because I don't really know Belgian weather. So did the fact that it sat out in well 103 outside means like 115 in your garage? Yeah, probably. What did that do to the hops? Well, like I said before, the oxidation is kind of the the key there. Yeah, because it was exposed to oxygen the entire time. Because, like we said before, hops are stored in the oxygen barrier foil bags. And it says, you know, unopened pellets retain most alpha acids for five years when frozen. Open foils are good for two weeks at 50 degrees and five weeks at 26 so if they're sitting at twice that <laughs> it was good for about 15 minutes and yeah. Then yeah it sunk. smells oxidized to me it, it has does. a different smell yeah it doesn't smell fresh i'll say that interesting because if you think about oxidation in your beer was that smell like was that taste like wet, wet cardboard. cardboard sherry notes. that smells oxidized to me i don't like when you say sherry notes because sherry sounds expensive, and I don't want to pay <laughs> way more money for somebody that messed something up. <laughs> I just think it was an interesting uh, experiment Long-term. to leave some hops out and see how it changed. Because we all know what Challenger and those English hops kind of taste and taste and smell like, but that one's definitely different. Yeah. Now there's that that hop bag that you gave me several months ago that sat out at your place. And it's been sitting in my garage for months. Mm-hmm. Granted, the package is still sealed. We'll leave this cup sitting on that table for another week. Yeah, we'll see how it changes. See what happens. Uh, but that, that packet that you gave me, I'm definitely going to use whenever I brew my Lambic. Why don't so, you go ahead and uh, just crack that package just a little bit. Let it oxidize it out more. There. Yeah. 
don't replace. <laughs> I don't, don't want to do India Stale Ale Part Four, the cousin of the son of. I think I'm way past that. <laughs> part one had a multitude of issues that I think I could fix if I were to do it again. <laughs> part one was we didn't know hot break yet. That was the problem. Yeah, that was like a dogfish head had nothing on our boil. all right well let's uh let's move across the ocean and get to american side of hops Uh, (laughs) yes we're gonna (laughs) wow that was bad um (laughs) we're gonna move on to our american hops and we're going to taste an old standby i don't know if it's a standby i think it's more of a staple well, same oh. same difference. Uh, we're gonna we're gonna drink and talk about the Sierra Nevada Pale Ale. Basically, when you talk about American Pale Ales, this is the one you go to. Um, American hops are kind of all lumped into what we call the sea hops. Uh, you've got Centennial, Cascade, and Chinook, and they're all kind of the same, like the helicopter profile. Yes. Yeah, uh, this one the 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 Sierra Nevada has a lot of Cascade in it, and I do have some Cascade. I think that will smell. You have some Cascade, taste. yeah. So the Sea Hops, the Centennial Cascade Chinook, you're gonna get a lot of strong citrus, spicy, piney, um, grapefruit, maybe mm-hmm. kind of things. Uh, this is you know very. Whenever hop heads are like, I want a lot of American hops. That's what they're talking about. Sea hops, a lot of pine, a lot of citrus, some grapefruit. When I was in a very uh, bizarre wedding band slash roller derby band, we would go out after shows to a bar in Deep Ellum, and I'd, this was the only beer they had that wasn't Bud Light, and I would order it, and the guy at the bar would call me Zach Wild every time I ordered it. I was don't it, know. Was the bar the free man? No. Okay. It might have. No, it's not in Deep Ellum. Never mind. Other okay. Side but um, yeah, I don't know what Sierra Nevada and Zach Wild have in common. But so the the Sierra Nevada Pale Ale recipes that I've found online uh, use some pearl for bittering, I guess, and then Cascade is all the the dry hop and the aroma hop. So late additions. Uh, so here's some Cascade. When I smell the Cascade, I definitely get the citrus and the the aroma of the hop itself. However. When you smell and taste the beer, I get a, a mixture of the citrus and the pine. Oh, of course you do. It, I well, mean, it's is, always there. This is also a February beer in late July. I don't... Was it? Yeah. It's you a 210, it says, yeah. Oh, freaking Total Wine. Yeah, well. It would be nice if they could be, be a enough. one-stop shop, but, you know, they always have to go messing with the dates. Yeah, the aroma of the actual hot bag itself is... Really intense citrus, grapefruit. I mean, that that comes through quite clear. It, uh, I mean, I guess despite the age of the beer at this point, though, it's still competing with a different strain of hops and also um, caramel, caramel malts and. Yeah, I love this beer. I have tried three or four times to clone it <laughs> unsuccessfully. I think this is one of those beers that. Like, within your first five brews, you try to yeah. make one. I've gotten a little bit closer each time. But just matching the uh, the flavor 
the uh, hot profile and the and the malt profile finding a balance between to, between the two have been kind of difficult. Was this one like C three P hop or whatever? Was that no, the uh, the Clone Wars pale. Okay, okay, get it. It's never mind. Yeah, no. Uh, <laughs> yeah, no. So this is my Clone Wars pale that I've done a couple of times. Um, it started out as, um, what did I call it? Um, Papaloo pale. The poo poo. Oh, I like yeah, poo poo pale. I drank a lot of that. I liked Papaloo pale so much. I decided to not, a poop joke? not change <laughs> it. Yeah. And just leave it the way that it was. That one was great. We killed yeah. that. So that's that's going to be one of my because I've done that one three times, three or four times I think, and so that one's like I'm just going to leave it the way it is. I'm not going to mess with it. But the Clone Wars, because I went back and forth about whether or not I wanted to do it again mm-hmm. to clone this one. Yeah, that's why I named it that. So it has it has layers to the name. But anyway, <laughs> layers upon layers, <laughs> and it didn't turn out like this. Uh, it was decent, but I'm going to try it again. Not gonna lie, I accidentally inhaled a little bit of hop there. <laughs> so he did a little a line of a line of hop. Well, it wasn't the complete line, but it could be like maybe a quarter of a line. <laughs> exactly, I almost did. <laughs> it, does, it doesn't work. I'm over here sniffing a wall. <laughs> wow. I think I think for this one, the pine comes through on the finish, and the citrus is more up front. Yeah, because anytime I think about really piney beers, it's all very much up front that's the first thing you get pine resin that's not what i think whenever i smell this one uh, or taste it right away a little more subtle when it comes down yeah, of course uh, it is to the finish a couple mm-hmm. months old i like this beer i love this beer you if know I, if i if i ever just want to sit down and have something a little hoppy that i can have with dinner or just after a long day at work this is what i want yeah this is a great end of shift beer Shift. Make sure you uh, enunciate on that. I did. (laughs) Smell Eddie's rim. (laughs) End of shift. This is a great shower beer after mowing the lawn, too. No. Oh, yeah. I think it's too heavy for that. No. It's not heavy at all. I've had very few beers that did not make good shower beers. (laughs) I have a stout you should try. (laughs) Travis, you had the uh, the, uh, San Arnold Summer Pills. Yes. Did you put that on your untapped as well? Is that where I saw that picture? Yeah, that was in the official Brew Styles untapped profile. <laughs> you okay. took a picture from your shower. Yes. With the pills in your shower caddy. Wait, <laughs> really? Now, how yes. long did you have to let your phone sit in the rice after you took pictures in the shower? <laughs> That'd be really quick. Super fast. I took a super pills picture. <laughs> <laughs> I must look now. Bavik thanks you. Yeah. I was hoping for a retweet. Uh by the way, follow us on Twitter uh, at Brew Styles, Brew underscore Styles. On Twitter, we're also on Facebook and yeah, the, Untapped and Swarm. The book of Faces. And you can email me at frado.brewstyles at netscape.navigator.org. <laughs> Netscape, that has... And gmail.com. I haven't, I haven't talked about or heard about or conversed about Netscape in probably 15 years please don't email frato brewstyles <laughs> at prodigy.com that is no longer an email address that's valid i don't see that picture sample it's not mine it's travis's it's, yeah it's travis's chris did you find anything in your research about cluster hops because i feel like that was kind of the first one that started the american craft revolution and then 
after that. <laughs> well, some more. I mean, if we're talking on. like the the anchor, was it the, the anchor pail? Not necessarily anchor steam. Anchor steam, because that was the first like really hoppy. Because they're they're that was the anchor IPA is now a pale ale because their level of hoppiness yeah, the, the was, liberty. Yeah, the uh-huh. liberty. That's right. I, was that Cascade or uh, no? Did you say remember. Cluster? Was that Cluster? Yeah, Cluster. Because whenever we did our uh, our Blue Bonnet Hop Showcase, it was uh, they gave us a, a bunch of Cluster hops because that was kind of a big player way back in the eighties, right? And then now that we have I, all this new stuff, it's fallen off, and so they're trying to reintroduce it. See, I thought Cluster was one of those things that they used in like the the BMC beers. No. I, I I think it might be. Is it really? Yeah, like the the Miller Coors used Cluster. I yeah. thought they were really using. So, like when Sierra Nevada first started out, they didn't have many choices because that's what was out there. Because that's what the big yeah. Because used. Sierra Nevada has changed the recipe for this pale oh, totally. ale several yeah. times. Yeah. Uh, I I did not come across anything Cluster specific. Uh, whenever, of course, you know, all my research was either out of this hops book or what I read online. Sure. And when you talk about American hops nowadays, it's one of the three C's. Mm-hmm. Anchor has Northern Brewer. Okay. According well, maybe to, now. According to AnchorBrewing.com, the steam beer had Northern Brewer. Well, either way. In 1896. Nowadays, when you talk about American hops, it's one of the three C's, and Cluster is not one of those C's. Yeah. Talking about uh, Centennial Cascade. Everything's a Cluster. And um, so we said the names. We didn't really talk about specifics. Centennial is going to be a strong citrus. Cascade is more of a flowery, spicy citrus with a slight grapefruit. Chinook is going to be lightly spicy and very piney. Mm -hmm. And we don't have a Chinook beer to taste today, but... That makes me think of Broken Halo. Uh, when we first started drinking the IPAs, we're like, oh, it tastes like Christmas trees. You know, super piney, sappy, yeah. uh, you know, things like that. My second homebrew was Chinook on Phonics. Yeah. Yeah, my number. <laughs> Wait, that was the real name of a beer? Yeah. No, his homebrew. My number two homebrew. Oh, my God. Never. Chinook my, on uh, Phonics. <laughs> my number seven. <laughs> My number seven I've, pale ale was Chinook and Northern Brewer, and the next, the following times I made it, I cut the Chinook back quite a bit. Oh my god! I've had to wait eight years to get that response to that name of my homebrew. Thank you on phonics. I have to tell that to my mom. When he told me that, I just shook my head and went, "Yeah," because that's what I was getting. Yeah, I grumbled, grumbled, grumbled at it. And why wouldn't you? It deserves a grumble, grumble. That is funny. I mean, first at, at that at that gig, he was like, "Dude, your mom's here." Now I got to really tell my mom about that one because she would find that funny too. Well, that was me. I know. That's why I said heard me when I said that. Never mind. Never mind. Never mind. Was I'm, I'm drunk. Beer? Yes, it was World War. Okay, beer. yeah. So there are a couple other uh, American hops uh, that are worth noting, other than the three C's. Nugget. Uh, no. Magnum. Magnum. Simcoe. Oh, yeah, okay. Is another very American hop. Um, that one you're going to get a lot of pine, like very much pine, passion fruit, citrus, <laughs> and it's a, a bittering hop. It has strong bittering qualities. So if you're making an American IPA, you know, use your Simcoe for bittering. And then if you want more pine, you can get Chinook in there. If you want some more citrus, Cascade or Centennial, uh, that'll give you a very strong uh, American IPA. 
Yeah, a lot of those uh, higher alpha acid ones are, are ones that, you, sure, you can use for bittering. Uh, be careful if you use them later on. Yeah, because like, like Warrior, that's a, a bittering hop for sure. Simcoe is one that some people associate with cat pee because it's just that intense as far as the right. the presence that, that it imparts. So, uh, And a lot of people like that in an IPA, and some people find it detestable. So if you're going to use a, a higher alpha acid hop in the later stages, know what you're looking for and why you're putting it there. Don't just toss it in willy-nilly. Yeah, yeah. willy-nilly. Mm-hmm. Willy. All, all nimbly-dimbly like. <laughs> all right, so poundability on Sierra Nevada Paleo. Seven. Nine. I'm going to say nine. Yeah, the bitterness and, and the flavor is strong, but it's just so good. Eight. Yeah. Very tasty. So uh, Sawyer over there needs to drink up because we're all ready for our next one. Sawyer, hurry up. Holy My crap. Bad. Okay. So we're going to segue into our last beer of the night. Do you need me to help you with that? No, I'm good. I got this. Uh, maybe a little. Another American hop that is a little bit controversial in this room. Dun, dun, dun. Is Mosaic. Oh, boy. So, uh, if somebody wants to start cracking those open, <laughs> the Mosaic Hop, uh, you're going to get right. tropical. Oh, we got it. <laughs> For Mosaic, uh, it's listed as tropical, tangerine, floral, and earthy. See, I like buying you one of these and Ashley one of these at the same time because she loves it and you don't. And well, I get I, the best reaction. I'm I'm kind of coming around on it. I, you know, this is one of my dad's favorites. Comes after you swallow. Yeah. Yeah. And so I've been I've been Which drinking shame when you more and more of this. Whenever I go hang out with my dad, he's got this in his fridge. It's one of his go-tos now. It, it's hard not to be, especially as it's grown in Dallas. It's everywhere. when I was talking to my dad about Bush. This and the uh, this and their wit beer. Anyway, we didn't actually say what this was. Uh, <laughs> the so, Mosaic IPA by Community. This is the Community. The Mosaic IPA. No, this is the Mosaic IPA by Community. By Community. Splice uh, <laughs> that. It's gonna be great. So, um. For the longest time, I was against mosaic hops because it smells like armpits. Yes, and body odor and nastiness. I was gonna take a picture of the empty glass. I gotta pour it first. <laughs> <laughs> it's a new Belgium glass, just an empty new Belgium glass with a community beer tagged in it. Yeah, this this and the community oh, wit have become so everywhere. I still get body odor and sweat out of it. Anyway, I. It's just a hair. I couldn't hear it. I only, I only brought one actual IPA, which is interesting because Travis had an IPA on the malt episode, and you would you would think that <laughs> the hops IPA. the hops episode would all been IPAs, but I didn't do that on purpose, except for this one because it's mosaic. Did you go ahead and spend your own money on an ounce of mosaic hops? No. I texted Travis and asked him if he had a some mosaic, <laughs> and he said no. So there's no hop to smell for this. 
Um, oh man, I've never brewed with Mosaic because I hate it so much. And but Travis has done several Mosaic beers, so that's why I asked him if he had any Mosaic, but he didn't. So anyway, I think that Mosaic mixes really well with high caramel IPAs, and I don't. I would agree. Particularly like high caramel IPAs, but this kind of pushes past that. Yeah, I mean, if it was a double IPA or Imperial IPA, then Mosaic oh, might work. What? It smells awesome. <laughs> See, I love this. It's like the rich, resiny, piney, yeah. dank. And, and that's what I think of when I think of American IPA now. Which is why I think it mixes really well with the high caramel IPA. Yes, because the yeah. sweetness from there matches very well with like the intensity Just of the pine. Straight up pine sap. Like, resin. Nasty, sure. sticky. Yeah. Yeah. But see, I like the pine and the resin and the citrus over the dank body odor that you get out of Mosaic. And I understand dank, but I don't understand body odor. It just... I never get that. It smells and tastes like sweat. And you like if you if you smell your armpit after you've been mowing the lawn and you forgot to put on deodorant. Yeah, it that's does. That's what it smells like. It, it does, yeah. And I'm some people are okay yesterday. with it. Just like whenever we were talking about like... It's like, oh, this tastes like horse blanket. It's yeah, so good. Yeah. You know, some people look for that. I was excited to smell cardboard earlier. <laughs> um, yeah. <laughs> I'm not a fan of the body odor, sweaty, dank mosaic. Did you like Dankosaurus from Cedar Creek? No. Okay. Because I'm about to say that's even worse than this in that respect. Whereas I or is really it better <laughs> than this in that respect. See, I would say better. <laughs> this does smell really good. Um, I'm drunk, aren't I? <laughs> You tell us. I can we tell that. that I'm slurring my words just a little bit. We knew that a long time ago. <laughs> yes, it's Crap. like socks and Old Spice. <laughs> socks and Old Spice. What beer I don't know about that? Old Spice. What beer what was did I socks say? I don't remember. Old, <laughs> old Speckled Hen. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's hamburger and green beans. I'm drunk. <laughs> that's right. When I actually drink Old Speckled Hen again, it's going to be a really strange experience. Yeah, probably so. Because actually, we had that last week. Or not uh, no, last we week. Didn't. Last month. Oh, okay. Last month at the homebrew club meeting, somebody brought Old Speckle Hen. <laughs> did they serve it with hamburgers? No. Actually, I did get hamburgers or green beans out of it, so okay. I guess taste change. <laughs> All anyway, right. I, as, speaking of taste changing, I'm getting more open to this Mosaic IPA. I don't, you know, curl my nose at it anymore, but it's still not my favorite. It's not my go-to. Is yeah. it rustic? I mean, No. <laughs> well, dang! I, I I can almost get to where you're at because there's like this nose hair curling thing when you take like a good slow deep breath, but I still don't associate it with body odor. The flavor of it kind of reminds me of when we ate the hop pellet. A little, yeah. Like a year ago. I remember that. A year and a half ago. A little. It's like extra dry, extra bitter, extra just like funky and weird. Luckily, they used way too much crystal caramel whatever malt in this beer, and that kind of tones that out. Yeah, maybe. This is going to be my one, not one, but one of my few acceptable, like you put like 17 pounds of caramel 60 in this beer. (laughs) And that's fine. I feel like this is one of their top sellers, though. It's got to be. Like I said, this and their community wit are 
everywhere. Well, and then you've got the uh, in Dallas at least uh, the the stout, the coffee stout, Ascension. Yeah, mm-hmm. I love the, the Ascension. Porter. Yeah, Ascension yeah that's not everywhere. That's, that's delicious. It's just so that's good. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I went to a El Cane Rosso in Deep Ellum last week, and they had an extensive beer list. But on on their draft, it said they had a community rotator. It's like, what's your community? She said Mosaic IPA. It's like, okay. That's, so that's the one thing rotator. they had from them. That's the one thing they had from them. Okay. And that's basically within walking distance from there. Yeah. They've got a lot of really good beers, though. <clears throat> oh, they yeah, do. yeah. Their Belgian stuff's pretty good. Community's one of the top Dallas breweries. I, Absolutely. I would easily oh, yeah. put them against anyone else. Who makes yeah. something as stupid as a funnel cake beer, and then I go drinking a whole keg of it. Yeah, I have to agree with that because I yeah. I really don't like Deep Ellum. Funnel like, cake in one hand, corn dog in the other. Yes. Yeah, that was her. I like Deep Ellum quite a Thanks, bit, Bubba. just not as much as Community. No, I like Needle Band. I you know what I like from them? They're light beer. Yeah, Needle Bandito is great. Uh, Blonde Dallas Blonde is great. Dallas Blonde is good. I do like that. They have that on tap at the Freeman. Okay, so if if any. If there were any other hop centric beers that you could think of off the top of your head, what what would they be that we didn't feature today? Uh, well, obviously you'd have to go with the the single hopped beers. Yeah. See, I, I thought about picking up a smash beer, but I, I don't know. I just they're hard to find specifically. I think. Yeah, like because mm-hmm. I I took a picture of all the the hops that I had. Yeah, because I wanted to be able to smell it and you know see if we could pick it up, and I didn't have any all the smash beers that I found. I didn't have any hops for, so that's why I didn't pick up smash beer. I know of a beer, Agtown. Agtown is that a single hop? It's hop centric for sure, but it's not a. There's no way it's single hop. Oh, I didn't know we were going for single hop. Well, Sorry. okay, so the other one I was thinking of was since we recently are getting a lot of the bells uh, things brought in. They have an, an IPA, I think it is, Amarillo, or am I right? That's a really good one, Amarillo. Yeah. And it's really good, but I didn't Amarillo have any Amarillo hops. Amarillo is another one of those classic American hops. Amarillo's a copyright? Is that a copyright one? Is that one of the ones that you can't... Yeah, I think it was like one guy did a a like a, Might be. a merge between two or three different yeah. hops and came They're about four hours from here. To- <laughs> So that's one. I mean, I know legal drafted a smash. I don't smash and grab. Yeah, I don't remember what. I didn't like that one. Uh, see, really, because that was when I was like, okay, they might make all right beer. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> the Bach was really good. I think it's difficult to make a good smash beer. You can make one, sure, yeah. but if you can make one that's flavorful that you like, then that's another thing. See, whenever I was. Making pale ales and IPAs, one of the most useful pieces of information that I got reading from online or books or talking to somebody was, you know, keep your malt bill simple. Yes. If you if you have like five or six different malts in there, it's going to muddy it up and you're not going to get the, the hop profile. If you have a base grain and a crystal malt and then your hops, that's going to be a much better beer. So I guess that's kind of the... The end story to this is if you're going to make a, a hop-centered beer, figure out what flavor profile you want, what you want to get from that, and then decide if it's going to best be served in a, a you know German Pilsner or uh, an English 
if you want to dirty something, or if you want something really bright, citrusy, hoppy, then go with the American. I think where you end up with a problem on that is where you're trying to hit a specific color range and a specific alcohol range, and you can't necessarily marry the two because in order to get dark enough for something, you have to use a ton of one malt. Well, like or, a black IPA? Yeah, but maybe you only so want maybe to be hot a burst it. five and a half percent IPA, though. I'm not yeah. even talking about hops, but like you don't want it to be a 9% beer, but you want it to be dark and you want to use only X amount of one grain and you find yourself having a hard time marrying your OG and your SRMs. And so you end up yeah. mixing something like uh, 30 or 40 crystal and a, and a like, I don't know, 90 or a 120 ish. Which is why when you get into your porters and stouts, whatever hops you pick are probably going to be on the dirty earthy side to kind of, be hidden by those dark malts. I have one for that. Guess. Like, are you talking about one of your home brews or no, commercial beer? No, I have. I have what? a hop. It's very good. Oh, for... Fuggles. Oh, thanks. Good job. There you go. <laughs> Sorry, I didn't know you were talking about beer or what. Lots of giggles. <laughs> yeah. I mean, oh my God. <laughs> was that straight? Was that a Muttley laugh or was that Sawyer? That was Sawyer. That was Sawyer. Yeah, that, that was wasn't me. even. That, that was wasn't Sawyer. Play it again. That was Sawyer. <laughs> That sounds like Hanna Barbera cartoons. Okay, all right. That's Sawyer. You're welcome. Anyway, all right. So, any other? Any You're welcome. <laughs> <laughs> you walk them. Waka waka waka. <laughs> Anything else about hops? Anybody wants to uh, share or? No, knowledge? but I can lead into next week if we're okay with that. The uh, the Brooklyn Soriachi Ace beer would have been cool an to have. Interesting. I that's how you can find an it. interesting yeah. situation. I don't Wait, think they make it anymore. I haven't it? seen it in a long time. I could find uh, the the Brooklyn Lager, which I almost picked up because they have some some uh, noble hops in there, uh, and the Brooklyn Summer Ale, which we had, I think, on the summer beer, or maybe I thought about picking it up and I didn't. I don't remember. Anyway, Double. I could not find the Soriachi Ace. It's got the. Uh, the ace of yeah some heart last, or something. Last ace time I diamonds, saw that I was several years ago, and it was in like a mixed four pack of magnums at Sam's. And that's I don't want to I, say that that's a death wish that you're in a mixed pack at Sam's, but it so might be. That's how you pronounce Magnum. it: sorriachi and not sriracha. Uh, there's it's another eye. The there's another eye in there. I believe it's sorriachi. Okay, okay, fair enough. Granted, go say Fuggles to somebody that says Fuggles or Willamette to somebody that says Willamette. How Sawyer are you, drunk? I'm pretty Sawyer. Sawyer. So it's Sawyerachi. Okay. Not Sawyerachi. We've already had Sawyerachi. Whatever. Tomato, tomato, blah, blah, blah. Did you have it specifically with Sawyer and Sawyerachi? Style. Style. Oh, okay. Yeah. All right. Good job, Chris. Yeah, man. Good episode. Glad y'all enjoyed it. Yeah. Well, uh, be sure to check for yeast infections next week because uh, <laughs> yeast is next. Cheers till then. Gross.